Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 264 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of June 2019, and our Daikaiju discussion for the newest picture in Legendary's Monsterverse Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not only do we have our discussion and your homework, in this episode we will also announce the winners of the three prize packs for the Kaiju Cast Godzilla Meme of the Monsters Challenge after we finish our movie talk. But before we get to all of that, I thought it would be super cool to actually listen to one of the tracks from this film. And, you know, I talked a lot about how Legendary has taken some of my complaints with the last film and fixed them for this film. And one of those complaints was that we didn't get any of Ifukube's music. So I'm happy, very happy to share with you guys the Godzilla main title from Godzilla King of the Monsters by Bear McCreary and also, I guess, by Akira Ifukube.
ゼロ大陸で巨大生物が原因の想像を絶する最悪に見舞われた人々はこの災害をこう呼んでいます神々の目覚めと予習だよね逃げてギドラモスララドンすでにパンドラの箱は開けられたもはや閉じることはできないこちらこそその鍵なんだこれは嘘だろう他の怪獣も止まる始まるよ目覚めよ王よ And once again, class, and for one final installment, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. This month, we are taking a deep look, as deep as I can get, essentially, into the brand new Godzilla film from Legendary Pictures, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Now, please travel back in time with me to 2014, when Legendary Pictures released their first entry in this MonsterVerse, Godzilla. There was instant talk of a sequel, I mean sequels. As early as San Diego Comic Con that year, we learned that Legendary had acquired more of Toho's monsters and they teased those during the panel Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidra. Gareth Edwards and Max Bornstein, the writing team for the first film, were set to tackle the next installment. After Godzilla, however, Edwards was hired to direct the Star Wars one shot film Rogue One, and due to his working for the Empire, his commitment to the Godzilla sequel faltered, and Legendary was now in the position of looking for a new director. Now, getting back to those sequels, plural, that I mentioned, many people predicted that the studios were jockeying for position to put Kong and Godzilla back on the screen together. The deals had been struck, and Kong was slated to battle Godzilla in 2020. And in the meantime, Legendary announced Kong Skull Island with director Jordan Vote Roberts in September of 2014. Now, flash forward to October of 2016, The Hollywood Reporter. Reported that both Michael Doherty, director of Trick or Treat, and his writing partner Zach Shields were taking on Godzilla 2. And according to Mike Doherty, who actually just slid into the director's chair in January of the following year, enough of Borenstein's original treatment was in line with what he and Shields had wanted to make that they gave Max Borenstein the story by credit. Borenstein also wrote Kong Skull Island, which was released in March of 2017. Now, technically, that is the second film in this MonsterVerse, making the connection to Godzilla through the Monarch organization and specifically teasing that connection through a post credit stinger. Since Skull Island's release, though, Legendary has made announcement after announcement about the casting of Godzilla King of the Monsters, which, of course, they changed the title from Godzilla 2 to Godzilla King of the Monsters. It was a real steady stream. And actually, I kind of stopped paying attention to it after I saw that like Vera Farmiga was going to be in it. That is not related to the actress at all, just like sort of a bookmark of time. 
But the news continued, leading all the way up to the premiere on May 17th, which was covered very thoroughly on Sci-Fi Japan. There will be a link in the show notes to their coverage. I highly suggest you go check it out. I also noticed a couple of other large-scale premiere events with the the above-the-fold crew and cast partying in Japan and China, but the movie opened up here on May 31st. We were lucky enough to get to see a screening on the 28th, and we actually recorded a little bit of audio for that, which we'll play later on in the episode. Let's talk about who's in this film. Vera Farmiga, Oscar-winning actress, I might add, plays paleobiologist Dr. Emma Russell, mother to Madison, who is played by Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown, whose father, zoologist Mark Russell, is played by Kyle Chandler, who I'm sure just about every podcast about this movie has mentioned that he was also in Peter Jackson's King Kong. Apparently, Chandler binged like the entire Godzilla series when he got the role, and that's actually something I found endearing about some of the people involved in this film. They seem to really embrace the entirety of the Godzilla mythos, even if they didn't go to the lengths that Kyle Chandler did. Let's continue with Monarch. We have recurring characters from Godzilla, Ishiro Serizawa, played by Ken Watanabe, and Sally Hawkins as Dr. Vivian Graham, both from the first Godzilla movie. Monarch also features Dr. Rick Stanton, played by Bradley Whitford, Chinese actress Zi Zhang from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Memoirs of a Geisha, plays Dr. Eileen Chan, and the Verizon guy, Thomas Middleditch, plays tech guy Sam Coleman. Flanking Monarch's scientists, essentially as like sort of tactical protection, is the G-Team. Aisha Hines as Colonel Foster, O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Officer Barnes, Anthony Ramos as Martinez, Elizabeth Faith Ludlow as Griffin. They're like a little G-Force or something. They're basically the military arm of this movie, and it's one of those things that I just really appreciate that this movie sort of let the military take a backseat. They're more of a supporting role, with the focus being on the scientists, similar to how I feel some of the best Godzilla movies are. Now, anyway, since we're talking about the military, let's not also forget that David Strathairn is back as essentially uh, Admiral Stenz's cameo twofer. And would that actor actually normally say missiles, or was that an Easter egg? Representing the real bad guys, Charles Dance is playing Alan Jonah, who leads a pack of mercenaries hell-bent on releasing the kaiju. Sorry, I mean Titans. We'll get to it later. Thankfully, only one of that crew is a named character, Asher, and he dies relatively quickly. So I think that completely invalidates the statement that there are just too many people in this film, guys. The last characters and actors that I feel like I need to mention are Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidra, according to the credits, played by themselves. But really, there were four motion capture actors that portrayed the Titans. TJ Storm, who also performed Godzilla in 2014, returns for the 2019 role. Alex Maxson, Richard Dorson, Jason Lyles, who played George in Legendary's Rampage recently, uh, they portrayed the three heads of Ghidra, with Lyles doing some Rodan work on the side. Now, if you keep an eye on conventions around the country, you could have several opportunities to meet these actors. Specifically, I recall Japan World Heroes touting their guest appearance. Now, that's about enough of the people who are in this film. Let's talk about who made this. We've already mentioned that Godzilla King of the Monsters was directed by Mike Doherty, who directed Trick or Treat. He also did Krampus, both four legendary pictures. He's a self-admitted huge fan of the kaiju genre and a big-time horror nerd as well. Co-writing this film was Zach Shields. He and Doherty really are the creative driving force, as far as I can tell. The score was composed by Bear McCreary, 
who gained notoriety for his work on Battlestar Galactica, but has also done a ton of stuff in Hollywood. Literally, he has like over 100 credits to his name on the IMDb. McCreary's score for this film is phenomenal. I will include a link in the show notes to an interview by Eric Hominick uh, with McCreary. Eric is the guy who runs the English language Akira Ifukabe biography website. McCreary worked with Doherty to bring Godzilla's masterful themes by Ifukabe to this new film, and you can hear the classic Godzilla theme and additionally Yuji Koseki's Mothra theme. And they've been really given a shot of modernity that sounds fantastic. Now, because the film is so new, box office numbers won't really mean much at this point in time, but the general concern is that the opening weekend and beyond weren't really enough to qualify this film as a success for Legendary, but apparently they've already shot Godzilla vs. King Kong, so really the only thing that bad box office numbers and reviews will do to this as a franchise would be like to force Legendary to do reshoots, uh, which would delay the movie. Luckily for us, Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures have already said they're keeping that original March release date for Godzilla vs. King Kong. Numbers are boring anyway. Let's hear directly from the people in this film about what it was like to make Godzilla King of the Monsters with Mike Doherty, crazy monster nerd. And then we'll dive right into the discussion. Anticipation of seeing Godzilla with these monsters could kill me. It's a veritable cacophony of crazy ass monsters. Jesus, how many of these things are there? They put so much effort and love into these characters. My greatest expectation for the film is people sitting in their chairs and looking at this vast world. concept of a monsterverse goes back to the original Toho movies. So it started with Godzilla, and then they did Rodan, and then they had the brilliant idea of starting to fold these creatures into each other's films. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just one movie, it was an entire cinematic universe. Now we have an opportunity to update and modernize this constantly evolving and growing monster mythology. Michael Doherty is a Godzilla geek. This movie is way bigger than the old movies. Massive amounts of action, massive amounts of monsters fighting with humanity caught in the middle. Michael is obsessed with this world. He's crazy. He knows every single monster. There are so many different monsters, but the ones that are in this film are my favorite. Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Godzilla himself. I mean, they're sort of the all-stars of the Toho universe. Oh, shit. As a fan, I didn't think Ghidorah would be in this movie. You gotta be kidding. That's the Super Bowl to a Godzilla fan. For decades, we've been told that Godzilla's king of the monsters, but now, thanks to our interference, someone else has taken the throne. And this Ghidorah is the new alpha, and all the other creatures are just doing his bidding. And that just throws everything out of whack. We have to stop this three-headed crazy dragon. And the only way is if we side with Godzilla. It's going down. Live the king.
there's a soul and there's a spirit to Godzilla that resonates. It's fun and exciting and unpredictable. And I get to be a part of it. It's been a long time since we've actually had a very full house here. I guess it hasn't been too, too long, but I'm really glad that we have such a full house for this discussion because this is essentially our very last Daikaiju discussion, and it's for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I am here joined by Sane. Hello. Clancy. Hey, everybody. Jeff. Hi. And Martin. Hey, hey. And also Gretchen. Hey. And we have all seen this film. We, we saw it back on... Let's see, May 28th, I think it was, something mm-hmm. like that. It was basically a couple of days, a few days just before the movie opened. And we first up recorded our initial thoughts right out of the theater. And so what we'll do is we'll actually go one by one, get the initial thought reaction from the theater, and then basically ask how that how that reaction holds up about a month later. So we'll start things off with saying, what'd you think? I thought it did something that I'd been hoping for with every kind of Americanized version of a foreign property. It just embraced all the mythology. It actually didn't downplay it. The director actually had respect for it and was willing to incorporate it, not just as silly Easter eggs, but as truly an integral part of the film. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was incredibly well done. I couldn't ask for a better film. Couldn't ask for a better film, at well, least for a Godzilla film. Yeah, for, again, an Americanized version of it. Yeah. Um, I've seen the film second time, mm-hmm. and I will say that there are a few detrimental parts of it. Overall, though, I still think Mike Doherty, 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 yeah, Doherty yeah. did a great job. I really do. I'm I'm really disappointed that it didn't do better at the box office, to tell you the truth, though. Um, and I'm kind of shocked why it didn't. So, but otherwise, yeah. you know, I still enjoyed it thoroughly. I've heard some people say like maybe uh, American crowds are getting sequel fatigue and remake fatigue. So I could see that. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be upset if we stopped doing the remakes and the reboots and yeah. started doing more original stuff. But uh, I also was a little disappointed that it didn't hit that box office. Yeah. The good news is that even though it didn't hit the box office mark that they wanted or like really impress anybody at the yeah. box office. Legendary and Warner Brothers are like, yeah, we don't care. We're still moving full speed ahead with Kong, and the same. They're giving it the same release date too, even though there well, was a little bit of a scare that it was. And the reality get delayed. is that the American box office actually just doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Legendary is owned parent company Completely, is a Chinese yeah. company. Totally, it did great in foreign markets. They will continue moving forward because honestly, it did well everywhere. Yeah. Well enough. Well so, enough. Yeah. Well enough. You know what I think it did not do as well here? Because I think this movie was tailor-made for kaiju fans. And the majority of the public, you know, probably was not... I think like if you had a movie like Godzilla, mm-hmm. if you like Godzilla or you have no interest, this is not going to drive people to go see it if they have no interest in Godzilla, right? So that's why I think he had huge numbers the first weekend, because everybody loves Godzilla. Zilla went to see it. Yeah. But for the majority of the masses, I just don't think they have much interest in But yeah, I mean, it's great that they're continuing with Congress Godzilla because that's already filmed. I know Indeed. Finished. Indeed. So they're just yeah. working on posts. So. Yeah, I think that the, some that people and... were afraid that they were going to have to do like crazy reshoots or, yeah. you know, they were going to change the story to appeal to the fans or whatever. 
or to appeal to who they consider to be their demo. You well, know? It's like, yeah, I mean, in that regard, who do they listen to? The critics who aren't really going to care for this type of movie, anyways. I don't really or care. The they listen to us. Money. <laughs> you know I mean, I mean, the fans were paying the money. Yeah. Well, the with people, these yeah. aggregators like Rotten Tomatoes and things like that, mm-hmm. I mean, again, the audience scores really high, and they're the ones that ultimately pay the paychecks of well, everybody involved. So. It does that for the people yeah. who are hardcore fans, Godzilla fans, monster movie fans, giant monsters, anything like that. Like. I agree with the whole fatigue thing and everything that's that's going on with sequels and stuff, but part of that is the fact that these studios are trying to replicate the Marvel success oh, that oh, yeah, built yeah. out over a decade and gave us a lot of really good movies. Like, the duds of the Marvel sequence are not duds compared to other films. No, like still It's very movies. well thought out yeah. and done, and this rush to create longevity in a franchise and jam them full of things it's the dc failure with those films and to me it's the failure with this film and and i'll talk more about it when it when it's my turn on things but i have major problems with a lot of the things that are the people story aspect of this that are massive failures and the spectacle is not enough anymore people want to feel attached and they got attached to Iron Man and Captain America, and they're getting attached to Wonder Woman, but they're when they're not getting attached to other characters that are jammed in them, like the Mummy, and uh, you know, when they're not getting attached to those, and they're only getting spectacles, stuff starts looking exactly like Independence Day two. Mm-hmm. It starts looking like Transformers four. It's like they all start to blend together. Right. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't generally pay too much attention to what's going on with the box office. And I really don't even remember how well Kong Skull Island did. And I don't know how the previous Kong films did. I just know how I feel about the films. Mm-hmm. But that said, something tells me that the fact that it's going to be two monsters head to head that people are very aware of Kong versus Godzilla, um, whatever your theories are, how that movie will play out, <laughs> um, how it, you know, is it going to really be Kong versus Godzilla in the end uh, or Kong and Godzilla versus another monster? I think that's going to be enough to bring out a lot more people than this film did. Mm. Um, I just feel like people like that kind of thing. Like the, you know, let's get ready to rumble. It's a fight. Oh, yeah. It's almost like promoting. East versus West. Yeah, it's exactly. Whole, it's basically they could do uh, they could do themselves a solid and take that sort of page from the playbook of those old school, you know, programs like the press books from king kong versus godzilla where they're like we're playing up the battle aspect of it you know if it's an east versus west thing or if it is a uh you know you versus us thing or if you know whatever kind of thing they're doing they could make they could really hype that up i think i think this movie would have done a lot better if it was released in march like kong was Instead of at the end of May, where you have so much competition. Yeah. Mm. When you I, don't I get good the first weekend, you're kicked out for the latest blockbuster. Yeah, out. and they were trying to make this a summer blockbuster. Like, when we were talking with the um, the company that hooked us up with the tickets, they were like, yeah, the, the tagline is something like, summer is here, or something like that. Yeah, summer begins with Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As you can tell, it really sunk in well with it's me. It's still better than <laughs> size matters. Yeah, I would say it's better than, but at the same time, it's definitely not as memorable as the it size It certainly matters. didn't have a Taco Bell tie-in. Uh, I think that's really where the movie failed. <laughs> in a weird alternate reality, that movie took off and is like now Godzilla in an alternate reality. Hmm. And 
there's people nostalgic about like God. Remember when that first Godzilla movie came out? And it was so great, and there was a Taco Bell Chihuahua. Oh, here, lizard, lizard, lizard. Yeah, and there are people who actually treasure the collectibles that yeah, came exactly. out from the movie. You know, there are people out there. You know, some of them listen to this show. They do like that film. And, no, they're not know, out there. They I are. I, I promise. <laughs> I have talked to them. They're they're in our they're in our Kaiju are Core they? listener group. Oh. There is, yeah. Yeah. Glad that can be edited out. I just embarrassed myself. No, it's okay. It stays in. It stays in. Okay. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move along to Clancy. Let's hear his initial thoughts right out of the gate of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Clancy. Uh, I think I'm in agreement with everyone else on the soundtrack. I was pleasantly surprised with what they did with that this time around. Um, and it was one of my beefs with the last one. Uh, and I enjoyed all the monster action for sure. All the designs were great. Um and I will have to see it a couple more times to be able to tell about some of the other stuff, but have right. a good time. What do you think, man? How do your thoughts, your initial reactions hold up? And how many times have you seen it since? Uh, I've seen it a total of three times. Um, and yeah, it, it, those thoughts do hold up. I actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time. You and I saw a screening uh, about two days later. And I, I enjoyed it more that time because I didn't really have to... You know, you kind of you're going into a film that you really want to see, but you're mm. kind of hesitant. Um, I mean, I've, I I was prepared to just have fun the first time, mm -hmm. but knowing what I was going to see, I was able to just, just sit back and have a better time. Third time to see it, I went with my brother, split about three pitchers of beer before going to see it, so it was a great time. <laughs> um, he but, doesn't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it everything I said there, the soundtrack. I'm sure we'll talk about a ton as we go forward. Um, I've since, because I, I don't listen to that stuff until the film comes out, I've since listened to the soundtrack about 15 times, mm -hmm. and I was very satisfied with that. Not just all of the things that they kind of referenced, but even the new stuff that mm -hmm. he uh, put into that film and how it kind of works in context context with the film. And of course, the monster action was great. I definitely saw some of the things I think uh, Sane was saying where you... Yeah, that you do start noticing some of the things that aren't necessarily great um, with those follow-up viewings, yeah. but you know, I'm still happy with it. I didn't like get to the third one and just go, "Oh, I was wrong. This just is not doing it for me." Past that initial yeah. reaction, it's still I'm still having fun with it. The one thing though I noticed on the second viewing, which was nice, was even the parts that don't are a little weak. There's the movie just moves so quickly yeah. it has such a good flow that you know you don't have to be subject to them for too long you know mm -hmm. it's not going to wear on your endurance of like oh god but they get over this part yeah that so, part that thing you just yeah. hated that you yeah. saw that doesn't linger they're no, immediately throwing something else into your yeah. face yeah well and even some of the things that i saw on the first go around where i just you get that reaction where you want to kind of be annoyed with it mm -hmm. i found myself just saying you know I don't want to say I was excusing it because they still are problems, but I was kind of like, you know, that really wasn't as bad as I was kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. Like even, I guess just as a quick example, um, like some of the storyline, you know, the environmental stuff and all of that and some of the, I, I kind of didn't necessarily connect with it the first time around, but then I saw it the second time and I'm like, oh, I still don't necessarily connect with it, but that's fine. I mean, it's mm -hmm. still, to me, I could look at it as a, almost a, you know, a send back to some of those old films where even something like Hedorah, where they were having that environment, you know, that wasn't a subtle message when that film came out. People were well aware right. that there was yes. smog yes. covering the city and that they were just saying, yeah, this is 
awful and it was right on the nose. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that's going on here. And I don't mind it about Godzilla versus Hedorah. And I really don't mind it here. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. a, I had I a great time. Could have used a little bit more of a ham fisted message at the end. Cause I feel like yeah. at the end of the movie, uh, Dr. Stanton said, oh, glad he's on our side. And then Dr. Chen says for now, which is great. And totally just like we've seen in other kaiju movies before, but I really felt like they should have said something like, because if we continue the way we're going this day, <laughs> Godzilla and the other Titans may turn on us all. They really needed that, I felt like, yeah, to really sell it. punctuate that. Yeah, yeah. to punctuate because there is a yeah. message. There is a message in the film, but it's just, I think it's not glossed over, but I think it's it's too easy to forget the message of the film because there's such beautiful giant monster action happening. Well, I, I kind of found myself watching it thinking, like, some of this dialogue doesn't necessarily sound, you know, you, you, you come against that wall of wanting something to be realistic versus wanting something to be a Godzilla film. And I thought, if she was an alien, mm -hmm. this would be perfect. Like, this would, this sounds exactly like, not exactly, but a lot of the f dialogue coming from these alien characters in these old Godzilla films. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't sit there pretending she was necessarily an alien. I just stopped getting so hung up on it's like this is not reality. This is this is a sure. this yeah, is yeah. still and and maybe at the end of the day there is a guy that's like a bad screenplay writer that's sitting there going this is my most serious manifesto and <laughs> this is really what my intention was, but I don't really <laughs> think that's the case, but here on planet X everything <laughs> is numbered. <laughs> Indeed. Well, let's actually move along to our next Sitting next to you is Jeff Dean. Jeff, we heard from you, of course, right after the screening. Initial reaction was, it was fine. It's all spectacle. Just a bunch of noise and fury. All right. <laughs> That's all. All right. Ow. So that was is that, all. Is that all I said? That's all you said, yeah. <laughs> you were, it's funny because, like, I thought, I really thought that you would come out swinging with good things to say about it, but you were kind of like, eh. In Hollywood budget, rah, 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 rah. Rah, 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 rah. and I was like, Rumpy "Okay, Jeff, man. geez, yeah." But uh, so that was about a month ago. How do you feel now? I pretty much feel the same way. I saw it one more time. Okay, and maybe I think my initial comments sound a little bit harsher than I really feel about it because I do like it. It's enjoyable as all hell. Um, I love the creature designs. Um, I've listened to the soundtrack numerous times. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it's the best American Godzilla movie there's been. Not that there's a whole lot of them. But, and, you know, the thing I liked is it pretty much addressed the issues that I had with the 2014 film, which was, where the hell is Godzilla? And why are we spending so much time with these boring human characters that I do not care one bit about? So that, this film addressed that, because this is pretty much wall-to-wall -wall monster action. And in that regards, it completely delivers. I thought it was fantastic. So, Excellent. My only issue... So you've completely flip-flopped. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just kidding. And talk to me a month from now, and I'll flip back the other way again. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I enjoy it. I just... These giant CG orgy fests... Yeah. I have a hard time, like, connecting to what I'm seeing. I'm just like, it's fantastic computer animation mm -hmm. incredible stuff but for some reason i just like i feel so 
a little bit detached from it. I feel like I'm watching someone play a video game almost or okay. something. But uh, completely but that, but that's just statement. my own you, personal thing. You have thing. a much more affinity for you know real world effects too. Mm. Yeah, and I mean I have the same feeling like you know with Transformers movies and stuff like that. I just you know I just kind of like disengage a little bit. Yeah, I but mean for the, the most Transformers part, movies fun. for me are much more like annoying because you can't tell what's going on. At least it's much yeah. more difficult to figure out what's yeah, actually yeah. happening on the in in terms of the effects. Yeah, th- this one the action sequences were well choreographed. You could tell like you know yeah. who's where and the sure, fighting. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of quick edits and, I, and I, I know there's so. definitely complaints about you know the fact that we don't get any daytime battles for these monsters and that all the effects happen at you know at night or with environmental stuff happening around like rain or fog or uh, fire and smoke and stuff like that but apparently it's more expensive to do the daylight battles and have them look right yep yeah very so, expensive yeah i i mean i think my reaction to something like that would be more like, man, I wish they had more money as opposed to I wish that they had put daylight battles in there. Like, I would love to see daylight battles. I would love to see better effects, I even though I thought the, the effects were good. Because of the just tonal look of the two different films that we're dealing with here, with the Godzilla and now Kong, we'll see the daylight battle in the next movie. Yeah, the yeah. daylight battle in Skull Island was phenomenal. Yeah. And I almost guarantee the they're going to, mm-hmm. because they kind of are keeping the two theme looks of the film. Yeah. Uh, I bet the bright battle will be yeah. in the next film. They should shake that money tree, yeah. that Chinese money tree again, yeah. and make sure they get lots yeah. and lots of CGI dollars for mm-hmm. uh, Kong and Godzilla fighting. So uh, let's go ahead and move along to Martin Vavra, who was with us at the screening that night. I think the monsters uh, were excellent. The fighting was fantastic. The detail was great. The soundtrack was awesome. <sighs> moving on. So moving on, you you don't sound like you still like it that much. So so here's here's my thing. It is. I believe that you can go through and take this movie and you can chop it up and you can go. Here's all the stuff that Michael Doherty did. I think he. Loves Godzilla. I think he loves the films. I think he understands the mythology. I think he is a fan and appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And you can find all the scenes and all the places where he wrote it. And you can take all those places where you know that he didn't do it. And you can say, this is all the stuff that was inserted by some person who has no idea what's going on here. Mm. There is, first off, that MacGuffin. I hated that MacGuffin, the what, bioacoustic. What, you piece. hated the orca. Why did you hate the orca? Because. It's, um, there's a, there's a fine line with me and I'm, I'm hypercritical. I understand that of a lot of things. You either bring something in that is fairly simple to have as a MacGuffin Uh and you don't explain it. You just say, this is a thing and we just run with it. Or you spend a lot of time really explaining why it is that it functions and it exists in your universe. And they did not do either one of those. They hit in between Uh. and the stuff made no sense. And it was clearly one of those where they either thought it out too much. And someone was like, this is too much techie. I want it gone. Or someone else came in and said, give it this thing explanation right Mm. here, but let's, let's move it on. Like we need a little bit more fluff in here, but not enough fluff. And it's just one of those where it's like, uh, yeah, see, I completely I, agree. I, I don't agree with that. I completely yeah. disagree about the orca for sure. I absolutely agree, yeah. but for a totally different reason. Yeah. And so, 
So I have a problem with that MacGuffin. There are so many places in there where those characters have no reason to do any of the things that they are doing. Okay. They don't have the right desire. They shift tone constantly in there. And and you can tell with the edits For in real. there. It's like there's times in there where we're looking at Kyle Chandler and he's outside and monster stuff's going on. And he's like looking up. And then it cuts to monster and then it cuts back. Kyle Chandler's now inside having a new conversation about something totally different and has a completely different desire and outcome to do things. And he's off on one track where he's like, I'm not doing any of this stuff. Wait a minute. This thing's happening. Now I'm completely interested and invested in all of it. Like there's just mm, they shift mm. and change and there's no reason other than to punt the plot ball down the down the course. I have specifically with Kyle Chandler's character, I have maybe two or three areas where I think I, I agree with you mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly about that. But I didn't have any issues with the characters or any issues with any of the storyline at all. So I, I'll i leave that at that. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I I thought had... the storyline was more engaging than in the 2014 I agree. But that's a, that's a you know, that bar's a tripping hazard. I mean, we keep going back to that That's one, the but... same thing I said <laughs> about the really... 2014 film <laughs> in regards to the 1998 film, and then I was correctly called out on that later on. Like, that's not, that's not a bar that needs to be met, you know? So, right. Yeah, but... But, but I, I actually, I mean, I will champion the story and the characters and everything about this film <laughs> in well, terms the, the, of that. The thing so. is, like, it feels like for this this movie a little bit it's like every time you know you have the monsters fighting then it's just the humans are on screen on a set and it's an exposition dump just like everybody's spilling out some dialogue but is that any different than Mm, it's not did you see the anime films because if you saw saw the the anime films then i don't think you would complain about exposition dumps yeah i mean i'm not complaining that much but i'm just like every time the humans are on screen i'm like okay it's but here's the thing but, That's where we are with when we discussed this a little while ago on why it didn't do so well and why there is fatigue in here. And yeah. I will come back to the idea of the Marvel Universe that was done over a 10-year period that built us people that we cared about. And, and those were huge successes. They brought in a lot of money. They did really well in the theaters. Um, and I'm a big fan of those. I cared about the characters outside of all the effects and everything that they did and it was thought out one person had a say even though there's multiple directors that were able to play in that sandbox and that's become an inherent problem is that a lot of these systems aren't allowing for one particular voice to play Mm -hmm. out in this landscape sure and and you get all these people injecting things from studios that that aren't fans or whatever they look at accounting they look at uh, different voting panels and all of this stuff, and then they try to inject all of these things in there. Yeah, movies by committee. And I don't care what anyone says, a film is still an experiment. It can go wrong at any point in time, no matter how much money you have. It's always an experiment, and and it's always art, even though it's it's a business of art. And I think one person needs to have a voice in this universe mm-hmm. that runs it with people who have a similar style and voice under that, that can express themselves, but it's going in a direction. And none of these people were part of a greater story that was feeding into something that was logical and tangible in my opinion. Okay. I, I think I, I think <laughs> cause you, cause I can actually, I, I think I could literally like, diagram it but i don't know if i could like if i laid it all out and like answered anybody's questions about this i don't know if that would still make you go 
oh, okay, well, I like the movie now. You know what I mean? Like, this, there's no point in me. But like, they're trying so to... good. There's so <laughs> many good things in the film. Michael Doherty is so competent, and it's so pretty. I actually think it's that so he well realized. Is, I think that Doherty was the voice of that film, and I know that you're you you're making excellent complaints and points about <laughs> the fact that there are too many movies that are done by committee mm-hmm. but from what i've heard from him since the movie came out basically people gave him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted like toho yep. apparently didn't reject any of his ideas and he said he wasn't being like mired with like legendary people either so yeah. i was surprised that this movie is as nerd friendly as it is mm-hmm. for kaiju fans so I thought, Absolutely. Like, I thought the like, average public would be like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. Oh, I think they were. And who are these people? I think they or were. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like they, so yeah. that's why I think, that's why I'm surprised he got away with all that. Yeah. You know, because I thought like, this seems like it's really made for Godzilla nerds. Your giant monster. And done monster. well. Yeah, like I mean, he, like he understood for, its place. So, so I was surprised that, that he got away with this much stuff and throwing that many Easter eggs oh, in me and too. all this stuff. So. Me too. Absolutely. But they're not really Easter eggs. They're they're part of the story. Yeah. Like, there are actually, Easter yeah. eggs too, though. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's there are little, absolutely Easter uh, eggs. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's a lot that I missed in there. There is stuff in there. I'm that making I a think chronological is, list. Yeah. There's a. There's a. <laughs> I. He did a really good job of understanding. And Sane said it the best that night. I think that he understood the mythology extremely well and, and wasn't it made dismissive a story. about it. That's right, the thing. Right. Really, it wasn't a like. It's not a go, DC movie where they actually are dismissive of things. Right. Where like Aquaman, like, yeah, this is stupid. Like, do you, <laughs> we're on the joke too. We're in on the joke because it's a really stupid thing. Yeah. They didn't. They treated it with a, yeah. a I thought fairly they treated it with so great, much respect. Yeah, great Absolutely. Of respect. So I'd rather live in a world where these that movie was made. Mm. than not made. I'd rather live in a world where we got one really pretty amazingly successful Godzilla movie that was made yeah. here for us. Right? Totally, in yeah. America. Yeah. Because this is one I will go back and watch it. Yeah. Because exactly. it's more entertaining than anything else that's come out certainly from American you know, I studios. We'll never watch the anime Godzilla movies again. And that was made <laughs> by Toho. Because they're they're awful. Once was enough. And this was really fun. I mean, I'll see it yeah. again probably in the next couple of weeks. I can't wait to see Blu-ray. it again. I'm, gonna, I'm really excited to watch it again yeah. and dissect it a little bit. I want to see the Blu-ray just so I can see the behind the scenes and oh, like how much was actually like real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super curious. I'm sure those yeah. monsters are real. Well, oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear what Gretchen had oh, to say no. right after the movie. Soundtrack. Um, yeah. Just all of the Easter eggs and all of the hints and all of the beautiful things. And oh my gosh, King Ghidorah was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and Martin both had like a, it's like an emotional well, release right there. Yeah, so. it was just because I was so overwhelmed and it was, there were so many of us to get our opinions out and it was late. <laughs> How many times have you seen the film now? Three times. And okay. now I've gotten to talk about it twice that's right because we talked about it on uh it's terrible i love it the podcast by my friends claire and anthony which is not up yet otherwise i would link it in the show notes but maybe it'll be up by the time this episode goes up yeah so check the show notes anyway uh but yeah so how do you feel now after you've had about a month from seeing the, the first time i i mean looking back on that i was super excited obviously like leaving the film i having seen it twice and three times now it's 
um, the luster has has like diminished a little bit as mm-hmm. far as like how I feel about it overall. I really enjoy the soundtrack. The score is amazing. Uh, I completely agree with that. <laughs> it's so one thousand percent. And I really, really, really enjoyed King Geeter's performance. Those three motion capture actors did a really good job. That's cool. I'm very. I am actually interested in seeing the footage from that. To see <laughs> right. How that works exactly? Because I was. Uh, I think I was vocal on that podcast that I was kind of like. I mean, one guy to do the motion seems like enough, but you know. <laughs> getting three people to each do a head. Sure, let's see how it goes, you know. <laughs> so I guess that leaves me. I didn't even record my thoughts after the movie. So oh, wow. uh, my initial thoughts when I left the film were basically like, wow, very similar to just about what everybody else said. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was I had very low expectations going into it, and Michael Doherty and his team definitely pleased the Godzilla fan in me. I have seen it now. Four times in total, probably, <laughs> and I've listened to the audiobook one and a half times, and I've listened to the soundtrack about fifty thousand times, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself flip flopping on on how I feel about Godzilla two thousand nineteen like I did about two thousand fourteen. This movie was made for fans, and I'm a fan, and I appreciate that. And there's all sorts of things that I didn't like about it. But in the grand scheme of things, those complaints that I have are just so quiet. It's almost like I'd be over in the other side of the room going like, yeah, but that time that Ice Cube's kid said the F word, you know, like, sure. I don't I don't actually need there to be F bombs in Godzilla movies. But overall, I don't. I don't care that much about that. You know, this is an American film. This is like uh Almost when we say Shin Godzilla wasn't made for us, Shin Godzilla was made for the Japanese. I almost feel like this movie was made for us, but us is the Godzilla fans, and the rest of the world is like, like uh, you guys said, just bewildered. Like they don't know what's going on. But I thought there were so many nods to the original series, and I thought I never had a problem with the characters, and uh, I that's actually one of the reasons I like listening to audiobooks or reading the books when I have time of the, you know, the novelizations of movies is I feel that those sometimes lend a little more to the characters than you don't get to see. Yeah. The best example of this is episode three, star Wars episode three. When I walked out of that film, I was like, Anakin turned to the dark side. That was lame. Like his turn to the dark side was weak in the book. They start it earlier. His his change is actually more gradual, and it starts in his head, and it's like it becomes this emotional twisting that Emperor Pal or not Emperor at the time, but Palpatine is actually manipulating him. And so by the time he gets to the point in the book where he's changing, switching sides to the dark side, you're kind of like, all right, I get it, dude. I'm totally, I understand where your head's at. Not the case for the movie itself, but through the book, I was able to understand that a little bit more. That helped me a little bit, but not too much. I also, there was a second reason I wanted to read the book. And that's because when uh, when Mike Doherty went to Monster Palooza, he dropped the bomb that, he dropped the bomb, <laughs> he dropped the bomb that the oxygen, the oxygen destroyer <laughs> was going to be in the movie. Yeah. He said that it was going to play a really pivotal role. Oh. And I was like, 
ooh, well, maybe there's a whole big thing that they cut out of the film that didn't go into the, uh, maybe it's in the book. You know, maybe there's a whole a chapter about how the military was developing the oxygen destroyer and that will satisfy me, but it didn't. Mm. Unfortunately well, not. Would... It technically did, but it didn't. I mean, right. It was, was kind of... A very quick reference. They, I could like, fan fiction they, it easy. Yeah, they just, know? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we developed this oxygen destroyer thingy. Ta-da! But I mean, technically, it does change the course of the movie it, when it, it's detonated a little bit. Really, well, it almost kills but, Godzilla. I mean, yeah, I mean, Sarazawa sacrifices himself. You know, you get. The, and it I is love, a pivotal love, thing, love, love, right? all of that stuff. Yeah, but it, it just wasn't built yeah. up to a. 1954 dun, dun, Godzilla. Yeah. Oxygen, destroyer. oxygen Destroyer. Yes. Yeah. That yes, was definitely so. the biggest moment when I was talking about the initial time I watched it where that just stopped me mm-hmm. completely where that happens and it's just like, we have this Oxygen Destroyer. They set it off and it, it went so quick that <laughs> that did bother me. And the second time around, just knowing that it was going to go so fast yeah, and I'd already been prepared for that, it was a lot easier to stomach. But yeah, that first time through, I was just like, what? Really? That's how you played out? You know, it's cool that it's in there, but I almost wish they hadn't done it. Well, they turned it from being a pivotal plot point in the entire mythology of, you know, 65 years of Godzilla to a reference. Yeah. 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 So I have a a fix that I'd like to talk about right now, actually. (laughs) So the way you fix that, Doherty, if you're listening, uh, in hindsight, when you have your time machine, you want to go back and do this right. You... You have that senatorial hearing, right, where Monarch is on one side, the military is on the other side. And basically the Monarch side is just the three scientists, and the other side is uh, David Straithorn mm-hmm. and his old crew. They need to have weapon designs behind, behind them, them showing yeah. the oxygen destroyer. Well, That's all, all you need. Well, then when the <laughs> scientists leave and the, the senator, speaker of the house or whatever you want to say, she She's, is, uh, I know what goes, she says. And what about you, gentlemen? What's your solution? They say <laughs> they should have. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, it, all it needed to be was like this, like nice little piece of gravitas, right? Yeah. Then, like, do you my... think because they couldn't afford the the like? Do you think that Soho has like enough licensing grip that they were like, you can say oxygen destroyer one, one time? No, I, I mean, you never know. Because yeah. if even if they had that rule, and I was working on the film, I'd say, okay, we'll make up a different thing. Say we've been uh, t- we've been tinkering with a destroyer, uh, you know, a dioxide destroyer, and you know, whatever you want to say there. Yeah. And then you say oxygen destroyer at the end, right when Strathairn says it in the movie. But really, I mean, that's this. You you mentioned mm-hmm. the the senator, yeah. and she says to them, and I said this on that other podcast, like. Dr. Sarazawa, you realize the consequences of leaving this hearing. And like everybody, I'm sitting there going like, no, what are the consequences? We don't actually know those Nothing, consequences. Nothing, because we are going to do what we like anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's my fix for that. Yeah. What's, let's talk about things we didn't like, actually. Let's talk about the things that bugged us about the film and, and the how loud those were to you. Sane? Okay. Um, actually, I only have one. And uh, that's only because I just, I'm... Because of my love for Godzilla, I have had a pseudo-scientific fascination with nuclear energy since I was a kid. Okay. When they've nuked Godzilla in the face, he comes up and unleashes his atomic blast, which is a beautiful part of the film, like, visually. They would all die of radiation poisoning in, like, (laughs) three days. (laughs) They did not. Especially if you watched Chernobyl, which was, like, done so well. The scariest horror movie that has come out in (laughs) decades. Like, they were so close to him that he, they would all be, 
literally vomiting up their entrails in like yeah. two hours. So uh, that and the, then you know the whole when he actually goes spoilers. Yeah, um, you know, we're definitely this is a spoiler. We're you know, we're definitely throwing uh, all spoilers when into he's this, become yes. Fire Godzilla and he's using yeah. his atomic pulse essentially at the end. It's like, oh, they they're not far enough away. They're all gonna die <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. And goodbye, uh, Boston. Yeah, and know? Boston yeah. is a an irradiated like Zone. hellscape totally. for yeah, the yeah, next yeah. twenty thousand years. Mm. Um, that's like literally. I mean, however, yeah. however, let's flip that into the yeah. Toho verse. Well, now you know more... somebody had to absorb all that radiation. Well, plus all Who the plants that come back yeah. supposedly from the. They, I like little, that. By the way, I don't mind the little uh, universe thing. That didn't bother me at all. No, I was. Gonna I say, love the universe that Doherty's building. Yeah, I enjoyed sure. it. I mean, he. He swung for the fences, and I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everybody with, even though, I'm not going to lie. The family drama thing sucked. Like, we've seen it so often now. Mm. It is so cliche. I could have really done without jokey scientist guy. That actor seems fine, but they yeah. gave him, like, lines that just made me <laughs> But he's <groan>. me. <laughs> oh, but he's, it's, they're just Zilla. terrible. Zilla. Yeah. It's just uh, not I, funny. So, the, what I came away with it after seeing it four times is that that's, like, my number one complaint is yeah. the jokes. Because yeah. you easily, yeah. does it, it's not just one character. It's, like, just cut half of them. Cut half of them, right. especially the ones that make me go eh, or like the gonorrhea line which made yeah. me go are you effing kidding me yeah uh which is the the one thing like when lady kyle and i went to go see the movie the way that our audience was reacting to the jokes was kind of good because everybody was laughing at this stuff and then the speed at which that joke happens was completely overlapped by something that happened <laughs> beforehand goodness. and i was like oh yes thank goodness yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Because nobody really focused on it. Ugh, yeah. Worse. But yeah, seriously, cut out half the jokes. Yeah. Well, the first movie's so dire, so dark and yes. dour. And like this one. And and Mike seems to be a fairly funny guy. I mean, his other movies have quite a bit of humor in him. I'm sure he genuinely wanted to inject a little bit of le- levity and fun. and Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It just didn't. That didn't work. Like, again, the yeah. family drama is pretty bad. And then the 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 turn of the mother seems like so weird. Ooh, like, I've got some really good yeah, feels so, about that though. I don't expect you know a character to be totally linear from beginning to end, and nor mm-hmm. should they be. I mean, look how much Hamlet changes during that play. But her kind of like looking to be this good figure, and then suddenly you find out that she's evil, and then she's not evil, and then she flips, and like and. Nobody seemed all that upset when she's vaporized at the end. Like, I mean, I don't know. They, they were upset, man. Were I got. They? I mean, it. <laughs> well, the people that her family was upset. Were uh, they though? I mean, they just fly away. It's like, oh, mom. I, I one hundred percent was not upset. I don't like that actress from yeah. other things either. Oh, Vera so Farmiga. I, yeah, I was mm. fine yeah, with her getting vaporized. I didn't vaporized. mind her. I, yeah, I, I, didn't, oh, no, I, I didn't like her. I didn't I'm hate sorry. her in the movie. I'm just saying I had no problem with her being vaporized. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I you know, didn't, that 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 works for I me. I didn't like her either. I'm sorry. Yeah. So like my complaints yeah. about like Kong Skull Island or about the characterization and how like I couldn't connect with any of those characters. Except for like John C. Riley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he was the only character yeah. that I could connect to in that movie. And the 2014 film, I felt like the only character I could really connect Brian with Cranston. was <laughs> Brian Cranston a couple of times. Yeah. And then seeing the movie over and over, I was like God, turn it down, dude. Jeez, you're coming in at like 15 when you should be at eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie didn't really, I didn't have that connection issue. No. No. 
Uh, moving along, who else wants to say something negative? So I, oh. I actually have to get going. Oh, okay. So do you, do you want me to throw some stuff in real quick? Throw in, throw in uh, your biggest complaint about the film, if we didn't already hear it. Uh, there wasn't enough behemoth, because that creature looks really cool. It what? does look cool. Snuffleupagus? Yeah. It I looked, thought he it was looked, pretty cool. Is that I thought he was new. I, he he what new. he didn't look yeah. like was a Pacific Rim monster, Uh-oh. which is too much. Nerd fight. Nerd <laughs> fight. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, it was fine. I just thought, like, oh, Snuffleupagus. The one monster. thing about the book that I will say is, cool, is included that, that people who like the kaiju, like, uh, sorry, the Titans, because it's a very oh. different thing, people who like the Titans should check out the book because... There are individual chapters about uh, Behemoth, about uh, Methuselah and Mokola Kembe, Cilia. Like, there's like little experts. There's a really great one, actually, where I think it's actually Behemoth. Behemoth is like escaping his containment field. And somebody's like, why is this happening? And one of the scientists, one of the monarch scientists is like, this was meant to happen. And like, you're like, ooh, she's on the side (laughs) of the Vera person, you know, so... Dr. Russell or whatever. Anyway, yeah, there. I wish that there was a really solid universe book because Doherty's universe that he's building, like this is like my, this is like why I love Star Wars, the original Star Wars films. Minutia. The yeah, little tiny the stuff Rings like Samarillion. Oh, well, yeah. you're going to need to tell me all about Hammerhead. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what yeah. I feel about this series. And, so. and I actually, I do want to watch the movie at least one more time. Because there was a moment where Kyle Chandler is has got a data pad and he's like whipping through stuff. And I think it was like by the third or fourth thing he's in past and I was like, Oh crap, I was supposed to be paying attention to that. Those are all creatures. And I'm like, I don't know which ones I just missed. And I go, No, 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 Just about every single digital display in this movie has Easter eggs in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> they've insane. all been frame capped and people have taken Yeah, there's them apart. it's way yeah. too much to get yeah. in, in one view. I can't wait to sit there and go click. Click, 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 yeah. click, click. Let's go through and well, see Well, hopefully there'll be a dossier thing. in the, like, Steelbox Blu-ray. Ooh, that'd be rad. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be super mm. cool. Well, Martin, thanks for coming, man. Absolutely. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And also, thank you for being part of the Daikaiju discussion experiment. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it has been a successful experiment. I don't know, man. You hated this movie, so I think it's probably a failure. <laughs> I didn't hate this movie. Flush the test tubes. I ha- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep. Well, now we just need a control to to flush the whole thing, I guess. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to, yeah what are we going to watch for the next ten years? We'll just watch Godzilla versus Kong over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. I accept. Okay. Cool, man. <laughs> Good luck on your shoot tonight. Yeah, yeah thank thanks, you. dude. Yeah. Yeah, I just have to say the Muppet nerd in me needs to clarify that I meant literally Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street is cool. <laughs> sure. Not the Not monster the in this movie. I wasn't Not actually behemoth. a big fan of the. So you didn't secondary like secondary monsters. I like didn't hate Cilia. them, but I, I just didn't care about yeah. them that much. Um, we just didn't but, see them. That's yeah. true too. Yeah. But the one I do want to mention the one thing that I saw as a negative, and I know you guys already mentioned it. It was the humor, and it was kind of tying back to that idea of um, not idea, but the humor and humor is a individual experience. So it's mm-hmm. it's going to work for some, and it's going to not work for others. But the humor in Kong Skull Island with John C. Riley, I I'm a big fan of his, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I loved what he brought to that film. And then the same thing goes for Pacific Rim, Charlie Day, correct? That's his. Yes. Uh, yeah. I like his humor. Mm-hmm. I liked him in that film. I thought that what they were doing with Bradley Whitford in this film, who was an actor that I actually really enjoy, uh-huh. and I thought he was 
fine in this, but his humor to me felt almost like a ripoff of Charlie Day's character um, from Pacific Rim. Okay, okay. That didn't necessarily work. I did like the whole God and then the Zilla that made me <laughs> chuckle. But aside from that, it was usually like eye roll, the gonorrhea thing, eye roll. Yeah. And yeah. It just, uh, it, for, it, for the record, the gonorrhea thing was the Verizon guy. The Verizon that guy. Was yeah, not yeah. my character. Yeah. So, um, so no, it it didn't really sit well not sit well. it did it didn't work for me it didn't so land every for you. every time yeah, yeah. it happened i was just kind of like it was that grown moment so that was my biggest hurdle to overcome sure, i guess yeah. i mean it it wasn't hard there's so many amazing other moments in the film that you just go whatever um but every time it would come up it was like yep yeah, pacific rim did it better yeah it's interesting that you say that cuz i i kind of feel like all of these movies these legendary monster verse and beyond but just monster movies. They they all suffer from screenplay problems, you know, whether it's like characters tropes, I can't connect cliche, to, tropes yeah. that I find annoying, yeah. uh char- what did I say characters I can't connect to, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, the deal is that they are not perfect. And I wish they were perfect, but I think that that kind of, you know, goes to what Martin was saying, like this whole like movie by committee thing. Sometimes you get idiots making decisions about that stuff. All right, let's continue (laughs) with our negativos. What was your least favorite thing about Godzilla King of the Monsters, Jeff? Well, one thing I I have to address is, like Clancy said, he doesn't like Vera Farmiga. Okay. Come on. (laughs) I have a major crush on her. She has sad eyes. So good. Oh. (laughs) Um, Uh -oh. He likes sad ladies. Um, I was actually going to say... She was the reason I was have the big. My brother mentioned it when we saw the film. He's like, she's like the problem I have with the Norman Bates television program, which is probably why Jeff has a crush on her. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I think that's why I'm not getting into that show too, is because she's. Does she plays Norman's mom? Right? Yeah, she's Norman. Isn't she in the terrible like James Wan like Conjuring? She's in the Conjuring series. Okay. Okay. One thing I wish they would have had in the movie is. I kind of feel like Mothra and Rodan were a little bit shortchanged. Okay. Agreed. Um, and I, and I can't, kind of kept thinking that, okay, we're going to have a scene where we're going to have a fight scene between Mothra and one of the other, uh, Titans. Titans. Like the non, yeah, yeah, Toho Titans. yeah, yeah, non, okay. I thought we we're going to have one of those and then maybe Rodan would have his one on one battle with one of the other Titans too. You know, it didn't happen well, because the movie show... was already. Like we're two hours. Doherty but... was like talking about how much like Rodan's his favorite and Rodan's a flying atomic bomb and like you he's more powerful than Godzilla in some ways. And then you never got to see any of that. They see him like destroy that little village yeah. once and then he gets his ass kicked by Ghidra in like two seconds. Yeah, I would agree. I would love to see him like just dominate another monster real quick. Yeah, like, like so show us see. how awesome these two are. Yeah. Because we don't really get a sense no, of that you don't. at all. No, you hear that's about a, it. But, that's a good complaint to have, though. But man. show like, that's it. Be but like show it. Show it to us. Yeah, you know. But show don't tell. But that's you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that you know that's kind of a minor thing. But I I would have been fine if the movie was twenty minutes longer. If you just would have had you know. You would have gotten no complaints from me if the movie was 20 minutes longer. More kaiju action. I'm actually a little surprised it was as short, quote unquote, as it was. Because, I mean, like, we're we're used to longer movies now, which is fine because that means you're getting your money worth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's weird when people complain, like, the movies now are two hours and 20 minutes long. It's like, it also was $27 to get a hot dog and a. (laughs) 
and a soda here. No like, kidding. Yeah. One of those readings I went to, I spent 18 bucks on yeah. concessions. Yeah, so, don't drink 44 ounces of Coke. $10 yeah, on the while ticket, 18 the on concessions. Right, but uh, I mean, for yeah. that money, like, yeah, give me a three-hour movie. Yeah, it's like, give yeah. me just a slow part in the middle that I can run out to the restroom for. Yeah, <laughs> the old intermission. Well, yeah. and the reality is, if, it's that, if that's the complaint, it's generally, the movie was bad to you anyway, so three hours of a bad movie is worse than an hour and a half of a bad movie. But making it an hour and a half wouldn't have necessary. I mean, sometimes yes for how a f- movie flows or whatever. Sure. But most of the time, you're like, well, you probably have 90 other complaints that go before that. Yeah, and it was three hours to go, you know, yeah. as well. Well, it's three hours. Don't watch it. I mean, honestly, yeah. if you don't. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if people complain, like, no, the movie's so long and it sucked. You can leave the theater at any point <laughs> in the part of the movie where you think, unless you're one of those miserable. That just wants to complain about something the second you get out of it. Sure, that. sure. Yeah. So, Gretchen, what about you? What were your, your negative takeaways from King of the Monsters? I I feel like so when we're talking about shortchanged with Mothra and Rodan, I feel like they also got shortchanged. I mean, Rodan got shortchanged in a couple ways. Like his music wasn't there. That's roar true. Wasn't there either. There was and so neither also. was King Ghidorah. Wasn't there, yeah. Um, the roar wasn't for King Ghidorah. Mm. The um, or I keep calling him King Ghidorah, but it's Ghidorah G- in this, yeah. right? Ghidorah. Oh, Ghidorah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me let me first. All of you Americans out there, emphasizing <laughs> that second syllable. Stop it! It's Ghidorah, not Ghidorah. It's Mosura, not Mosura. It's Godzilla or Gojira, not Gojira. Actually, oh my God, watching the dub of Shin Godzilla when everybody is saying Gojira, 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 I'm like, God, stop it! Stop it! You sound like you don't know what you're talking about. It's the same reason I can't stand it when people say kaijus. I'm like, you don't say, you don't put the S at the end of kaiju. (laughs) Kaiju is plural. (laughs) Like, what about? There is literally steam coming off Kyle right now. (laughs) He's going atomic. But what about <laughs> Angulus, Angurus, Angurus? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, this has got its own issues there. Yeah, right. Angulus. Angulus. But, like, those were my main things. I felt like mm-hmm. they really shortchanged them as far as, like, developing them a little bit. Like, where it would have been kind of cool to have a little bit more about King Ghidorah. Or so, I don't disagree Ghidra. at all. I would love to have had the original gods, sorry, the original Ghidra mm-hmm. and the original Rodan Roar. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. and I would love, love, love because, as you guys all know, Rodan is like my first kaiju ever. Like, I would love to hear the Rodan theme from the original oh, film. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I kept expecting that because too. we had it with other ones. Ghidra, I disagree with because his theme is essentially a recycled theme from somebody else. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> as like, like a, like a but, musical notation. Let me say this Ghidra's theme in the movie is. It's really. Awesome. <gasps> You said it's it's going to get bleeped out. Ghidra's <laughs> theme and Rodan's theme were written by Bear McCreary. Mm-hmm. And like my complaints when I left the theater were like, Man, I wish I would have heard <laughs> nerd complaint. I wish I would have heard the Rodan theme. But... Oh, my God. I absolutely love those themes now. Like there's no complaints that that complaint he, has erased uh, itself. Like, from I my, am not a soundtrack guy. I don't care. A lot of it's incidental to me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the main theme of a music or of a film is great to me. But I don't like just pour over soundtracks. Sure, yeah. I'm a visual guy. I like special effects. I like that sort of thing. But I absolutely 
loved what he, the composer did with the their taiko Mercury drums Day. and the, like the chanting job, monks. Oh, it was amazing. Board. I is he? What other movies has he scored? What's a done? ton? Okay, well, Bear, Bear McCreary. He's yeah. Walking he's Dead sort is of the like, big, big, yeah. Yeah, he but also the, oh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he did the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> reboot, Don't which care. also had taiko drums. Okay, but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just shocked at like how how good across the board he did. Very yep. well, very awesome. He also they since it's coming out this week, um, he just did the soundtrack for the new Child's Play film, which, uh, well, mm. again, I don't necess- <laughs> I, I I I had no interest in it until. I found out Mark Hamill was doing the voice of Chucky, oh, and okay. that really. But, but I don't want to really go Dura's into that. Still alive. No, well, exactly. <laughs> I I understand that, and Brad Dorf was amazing. But we're gonna go into a horror <laughs> podcast if I keep yeah. talking. But the point is, is that I I have heard the work that he did on, um, the new Child's Play, and it is still in that. It's it feels almost like that same level with this film, um, where I'm like, even just the score and the bit of music that came out is enough to make me interested in the film. This I'm scrolling through but Bear McCreary's IMDb page here. Just he so did you can Chlorophyll see. Lane. A ton of stuff. I wow. mean, the Bear, Bear McCreary essentially yeah. is similar to Kyle Cooper, the guy who does the titles for like. Yeah. Oh, he did yeah, the titles yeah. for Godzilla Final yeah, Wars. Exactly. He did the titles for Godzilla. Yeah. And, and like somebody was asking me, oh, he did the titles for Godzilla 2014. I'm like, yes, but also everything. In yeah. Hollywood, everything. Which, like, look at his. It's it's not really everything, but very, oh my god, exaggeration mode enabled everything. Yeah, that's a very tiny, a minor complaint. Like the 2014, one of the few things that I thought it did really successfully was give you an amazing sense of foreboding with those t- opening title mm-hmm. sequence. This nothing. They switch like, it to the end. Yeah, it. but it's yeah. to the end as well for me uh, for some <laughs> reason. Like, I mean, I like the end little, but that was a bunch of Easter eggs. Yeah. Like a little build up title sequence would have been kind of nice and it was almost didn't exist. Yeah. Like, they kind of jumped straight into it. Yeah. But it works so well with the cutting out of the film into that end credit sequence where it was going along with obviously the cover of the Blue Oyster Cult song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But doing that kind of like title thing and the segue, like I usually feel like these movies that are setting up for sequels, it kind of almost bugs me, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really, th- I, I know they referenced the Kong thing throughout this film. So it's there, but like, I, I loved how they did it. And I loved how they start playing that song, even though I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of the cover necessarily. I'm still a huge Blue Oyster Cult fan for that. And that has nothing necessarily to do with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So I dug when that kicked in. I dug how they did that ending with all the little newspaper clippings that are going by almost so fast that you're just like, oh, did I see what I just uh, saw? Yeah, they are doing that. Yeah. And did you see the it link for I me. posted in the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't yeah. gone through it yet, but I saw that there's still shots out there now. So you can specifically see what's going on. But I thought it was great how they were rolling into this like Kong is next and mm-hmm. Eclipse of Skull Island and with those kind of like ty- almost like an intro to almost like an intro to the film like you're talking about oh, it's, a, it's it was absolutely perfect. like a little mini epilogue yeah, that yeah. you have to sort of piece together with multiple viewings yeah, and was... then or or a handy dandy website that <laughs> well, will plus, catalog all I this mean, stuff i'm sure system of down lead singer guy was pretty happy to get that gig <laughs> i'm sure know? so he's not having to work at a cinnabon and then you can't create an airport or something so. i actually really uh the first time i heard that song i was just kind of like mm, okay that's cool, I guess. And then now I in jam, context. I jam it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, exactly, because it to it worked for me in the film. So because mm-hmm. I yeah. did, I, that's the one piece I heard before seeing the movie, and I'm yeah. like, uh, 
I don't, and I don't even have a problem with System of a Down. It just, it wasn't, the vocals weren't sitting well with me. And I, I, maybe it was just felt too loud. But when it played during the credits, it worked. And now listening to the soundtrack, I, I have less of an issue with it. Yeah. And yeah, as a Blue Oyster Cult fan, I would have wet myself <laughs> if it was really Blue Oyster Cult. Just but, the Blue Oyster Cult version. Yeah, yeah. Because, just because Are I. Are they still recording? Um, well, they haven't recorded in a while. They put out a couple awesome records in the 2000s, and there's rumors that they want to record again, but no, they just essentially just tour. They should just do the the Metallica S&M thing where they play yeah. with a, con- uh, you know, a, an orchestra yeah, yeah. and they just lead with Godzilla. That'd be great. That would be amazing. Well, and really, I've probably said it on here before, but it's n- there's nothing better than being in a room full of people when that Godzilla song starts playing because it feels like you're now in a room with a thousand plus people going nuts for Godzilla. They're really going nuts for Blue Oyster Cult, but you know, I can pretend. <laughs> it's easy to <laughs> suspend your disbelief. Yeah, and just go, yeah, we're all like, go, go, go. Yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, it's fun. And I, I was glad that they worked it into the film because, you know, it was again, maybe not all fans are into it, but it's another thing that where it feels like, yeah, I'm a fan. Again, good, and, good homage. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's part as we've said like a million times part of the cultural landscape if you want to accept that godzilla's an iconic thing for decades yes. and that everybody yeah. kind of knows godzilla in one way or another even if they're not a fan there's this great you know prog rock song from the 70s <laughs> yeah. that totally. people yeah, yeah, yeah. love and that yeah. they you worked it into that landscape of this film well great it's a great homage well in a, in a total 70s band and fans of the 70s film obviously that was a big thing for a lot of people was godzilla back then and the guys from blue Oyster cult that wrote that song it wasn't just some like cash grab joke like i sometimes see it referred to as like a joke and every time he intros that song, he starts mentioning Rodan, Mothra, and the way he builds up the song, yeah. even from the 70s until now, was obviously like every other person in the 70s that was watching these films as a kid on TV or, you know, even before then. And like you said, it's part of the culture. It's existed in America, even if it's not front and center now. Yeah. There are so many times that I meet people um and talk to people that are older fans that might not even be into it as we are now that go oh i used to watch that stuff all the time and these are huge just really varying levels of godzilla fandom you know i i know people that'll say like i love godzilla movies and you know my initial reaction to that is like "Ooh, let's nerd out about godzilla movies and then i come to find that they've only seen four four movies which yeah but that's not like and that's totally fine and i don't need to be like Look at me, the big nerd in the room. I've seen all 30-plus Godzilla <laughs> movies, but, you know, I don't need them to be like that either in order for me to be able to engage with them. I, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that whole no. different level. It was something I didn't actually even really identify until I started doing this podcast. And then, like, I interviewed um, Eric Powell when he did the mm-hmm. the, the, the Godzilla, Godzilla series, you know. And he was he said the same thing. Oh, man, I just love Godzilla. And then when I started digging a little deeper, I'm like, oh, he loves the Godzilla that he's seen, but he hasn't seen all the Godzilla. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't need to write this new Godzilla, even yeah. though I didn't like it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about more stuff we loved about this movie. Gretchen. Overall, I just I thought it was a beautiful um, CGI fest for the eyes. I mean, 
at first I was really, my bar was super low. I was expecting to come in like disappointed, mm-hmm. but this was a beautiful, beautiful film and super cool monsters. I got to see all the monsters I wanted to see and that made me happy. I mean, I was Excellent. signed up for a kaiju battle. Yeah. And those, so the, the big four, you know, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan and King Ghidra, they spent so much time with them that it, I didn't feel shortchanged in the monster action for them at no. all. What else oh, did you really love about this the movie? The booping of the snoot. Thank you. <laughs> so, when so we were good. on that podcast, uh, the one of the hosts, you know, talked about Sarah. We were talking about Sarazawa's scene with Godzilla, <laughs> and the I was actually referencing how the director said that, oh, this is the first time anybody's ever actually physically touched Godzilla in any of the movies uh, with their skin, and. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a cool thing. And then Claire's like, yeah, he booped his snoot. And we're and like, oh, oh he man. did boop the snoot. And it was so. For the old people out there, that means basically just touching a dog's nose. It was cool. It was super <laughs> cool. And also the fact that, like, they switched. Who I said that for Jeff. Sarah Zow was. Out of the loop. With. It's booping the snoot. Booping snoots, <laughs> yes. Yep. I think I've Boop. done something similar. That's how you boop the snoot. <laughs> that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll tell you what about that scene was the best was uh, that was probably the only time that I can think of that you've ever seen a true human scale to Godzilla. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that was really nice. Wasn't that amazing? Like, when you hear like stats, when they give the stats of like, he's this long, and he's this tall. And it's like, yeah, but what does that translate to a six foot person? Like, sure. What yeah, does that yeah, really yeah. mean? And then you see how, you know, massive he is. And, yeah, that was great. That was a nice scene. I really enjoyed it. Was it was pretty. That was actually one of my the, favorite scenes. Um, in Boston, when King yeah. Ghidra is terrorizing Millie mm-hmm. Bobby Brown, like yeah. I love the scale. It, the same kind of thing yeah. in that scene as well. Yeah. What about? Okay, what else do we want to say we loved? Well, you I, know, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say since you already were mentioning that scene, um, the sacrifice of Sirizawa, because that was to me one of my favorite moments, if not my favorite moment, with the human characters. I wound up reading an article with Ken Watanabe and uh, Dotri, mm-hmm. Doherty, um, and they were talking specifically about that scene and how it was important for Ken uh, to to do that, to have that kind of closure for his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, I want to mention, he talks about the watch, his father's watch, which he had obviously been carrying through both films, mm-hmm. um, that ties back to his father that was killed from the atomic bombs from the war. And that was something that he specifically requested because originally he was going to pass that on to Kyle Chandler's mm-hmm. character. Oh, okay, yeah. And he said, no, I need to take this because this is some, and I, I don't want, maybe I'm not doing just, just search it out in case I'm not speaking exactly to how he was, you know, trying to explain it. But basically that was symbolizing him carrying his father and his father's memory and that was on his mind as he's approaching like i'm about to save my friend Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. monster that i've been defending as a you know champion of humans and but at the same time i have this past with the atomic bomb and Mm -hmm. you know my father dying and the war and all of that so i'm carrying this with me as i make this sacrifice so both you know that's on my mind and then everything else that's on I'm going, but I'm going to do this to save the human race, save this, you know, mm-hmm. Godzilla yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. And I already had enjoyed that scene. But then, yeah, when you think about 
him being, you know, a Japanese actor in this film. Um, I definitely dug his character in the last, in the previous, the 2014 yeah. film. Um, but they gave but him I, so much more to do. Exactly. In this film. And so that, much more. And that kind of caps it off where you're like, you know, I love every reference as much as the next nerd, but mm-hmm. that felt to me more than just, yes, it was a nod to the original film. Yes, it was a connection to the original film where we're going to have this guy that's named after this character mm-hmm. make a similar sacrifice, mm-hmm. but it was different at the same time. And mm-hmm. it actually felt important to his character within the context oh, of hugely. this world. Yeah. Completely. Versus yeah, he, just a nod and a throwaway. And it's like, you gave him a reason for being there and you gave him a send off that felt memorable and worthy to me. And then the way they visually shot it with him walking up those steps in this ancient um, place, Godzilla's home, Godzilla's home getting yeah, to see yeah. it. It was to me. Yeah. I, I'm just pretty much, you know, selling myself on the fact that, yeah. you know, I said, yeah, it was my favorite part of the film. It was the best moment for me was that, specific interaction and yeah. everything that happened throughout it. I think he's the best character in the movie. Oh, hands oh, down. Yeah. And he, he's actually, the best actor yeah. or has the best character arc in the movie. Mm. Well, again, and, because he takes it 100% serious. Yeah, and he, and he seems like yeah. he's the only one who really understands the gravity of the situation. Yeah. Well, what about um, what's her, the doctor... Chen? Doc, no, not Dr. Chen. Um, uh, Vivian Graham. Vivian Graham, who gets, who is like carried over for the first movie, just gets <laughs> and eaten. unceremoniously dead. She gets really Cranston. Yeah. 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 She gets yeah. Cranston that hard. Me. That really pissed me off. Yeah, that was actually it, the number one thing I hate about the movie, the dislike about the movie is the jokes, but then really that is a close second. Yeah, the because fact I that didn't she even just realize, I'm like, yep. it took me a second. I'm like, did she just get killed? Yep. I'm like, yep. Why did they kill Sally Hawkins' character mm-hmm. off that quick? Award-winning uh, actress, so right? Or, unceremoniously. You know. Well, yeah, like, I mean, she was nominated for... <laughs> but she was part of... Uh, yeah, that's was... sort of what I was saying. The thing, same thing with Cranston in the first movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like, they could only... They got him to a certain point. He's like, uh, guys, I gotta go. I'm sure it was meant to invoke, <laughs> I don't know like, that's really the happened. mercilessness. Yeah, and, yeah. You gotta, uh, have, sure. you gotta have somebody But there wasn't that. a build-up to it. Suddenly she's running and then... Yeah, I just... Yeah. I, it was just upsetting as a yeah. movie viewer in yeah. that movie experience to see her get robbed of a good death scene. Yeah. But it was really good to see Sarazawa get a really amazing. Absolutely, scene. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with Clancy. Like that whole scene and the whole underwater sequence was just beautiful to look at, and has the most emotional resonance to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so disappointed they blew the whole his home up. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I want to see this place again. Which supposedly, <laughs> Dorothy big has said there's a there's an Angelus reference I saw somewhere it. in there. You didn't I saw see it. it. So to, if I you're didn't. gonna watch the movie, it's when the bomb goes off. Right. The bomb goes off. Everything turns white. And then you sort of start cutting to the outsides Mm -hmm. of the house of the home. And basically there's one point where a big, gigantic rush of blue radioactive energy Mm -hmm. washes out and you can see the spiky back of a skeleton. Oh, cool. And it is apparently supposed to be an Angulus reference. Mm. Cool. But one of my other favorite scenes in the movie is basically the birth of Rodan coming Mm. out of the volcano. Which yeah, I thought excellent. was pretty spectacular. Yeah, when the big claw comes out and just like crushes, like reaches up over the, the yeah, because that's a scene that takes place in daylight. 
basically, yeah. that whole sequence. Yeah. I loved everything about the Rotan I think they did it. Yeah, amazing. I think they just, and his design was great. I, I'm yeah. somebody, Best monster it, in the movie. Was yeah. it you that said, like, oh, he looks like a Skeksis? Yeah. That's like, uh, that's fine. There's only so many directions you can go with a, you know, he had a little Skeksis like, action on his face. You know, yeah. but I thought he was a great, I love the lava kind of. I looked to him. Agree. I thought it was great yes. looking. Like to, so cool. Like he's yeah, always overall burning. design yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I really thought it was fantastic. Well, and bringing in his speed. Yeah, and representing it by those people just literally being pulled off the ground by how fast he's like traveling right over the the shot of he's yeah. flying over the houses and they're just flattening. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, and also when yeah the the jets the scene is pretty amazing. Oh, <laughs> That poor fighter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, act, you know, talk about her dying. That was awful the way they did it. <laughs> that guy ejecting right into Rodan's mouth. I did laugh at that. Me too. And, I, I did and too. I, thought it was I was going to say, I Somebody don't know mentioned that, that that was like a maybe a giant claw reference. I think that's just coincidental. Yeah, coincidental. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, there's the same scene in Kong when he's shaking the choppers and the guy yeah, falls into his mouth. And the great thing is that's a cutaway to someone biting a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so good. good. But yeah, uh, Rodan was amazing. Uh, I thought they so did a good. great job. And I love Rodan. And I'm so pleased with the way they portrayed him and showed him. It's like, he, he looked amazing. Yeah. Um, in terms of monster designs, Rodan is definitely my number one. And then Godzilla and Ghidra, they look sort of, you know, they're probably on par with each other. And then Mothra below. I see. I don't care about Mothra. I'm yeah, sorry. I know people too. love her. I hate Mothra. I don't really care. I thought they did a pretty oh. nice job. You with just her. hate Mothra you in hate general? Mothra? Just in general. I oh, don't see, like Mothra. I, Mothra. I just but... don't. It took me a long time care. to find the love for Mothra. Yeah. There's very few instances where I really liked Mothra, but I actually did in this movie. Not. Mm-hmm. Her design was all right. I get the they made her a monster. I mean, for real. Like, yeah, she's she not looks, a she not looks blown like a, up insect. Like a bee. She's yeah. like a, a prey mantis. There's a whole yeah. bunch of things to her that are different. Yeah. But I did love the scene. Well, a when she's fighting with Rodan, even though it's really short. Uh, but when she crawls up over Godzilla when he's injured and like tries to defend him for a second, I was like, that's a great scene. That was a nice scene. I liked that yeah, I quite a it, bit. Yeah. Like, and that was a nice homage to. A lot of that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. At films. least three. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Yeah. They had everything, even the uh, the sparkles with mm-hmm. the the uh, iridescence, stardust, yeah. and yeah. it was great. Yeah. And that life energy. Actually, the, I freaked out when that happened. In yeah, the movie. yeah. And the really the Mothra larva scene, which happens to intro all pretty much all of the monster stuff. Yeah, was essentially when I was like, I'm good. Like this is gonna be fine, because. Like when she comes out with the orca and the way Mothra acted in that scene as the larva, mm-hmm. everything from just seeing that they included a larva mm-hmm. version um, to just how she acts mm-hmm. as a character. And when she's like not killing people, but like using her, her silk and spray. like spraying yeah, yeah, yeah. them and then knocking the guy, grabbing the guy and just throwing him into the, the stuff that almost, you know, the spider in the web thing. Yeah. But just the fact that it, they're obviously thinking on that level, we're going to give this monster personality. Yeah. Was when I was like, all right, this is the ride that I wanted to try to take. Um, and I think there's going to be some good stuff after this. And that proved to be true moving forward. I think. Um, but that uh... moment itself, I was zoned in on. And the, yeah. the final thing I'll say is I was actually kind of expecting, as someone that loves Mothra, to not necessarily dig... Um, what they did with that design because mostly what i had seen was the toys and stuff and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm not into this i thought to me it actually did work pretty well 
um, in the adult form as well. I wasn't a huge fan of the stinger, even though it provided a good ending to just sh- stick that into Rodan. That, again, personal preference, that I was just, it just didn't work for me necessarily. Mm-hmm. It kind of took, it definitely morphed the character more than I would expect. But the insect like thing. Stinger in other films. So. Yeah, well, yeah, but it just. <laughs> I don't know if it's the violence of it or whatever, a but it's yeah, characteristic of Mothra. Yeah. She's a defense. She's defense. And yeah. I, yeah, it just it was the one moment where I'm just kind of like, yeah. oh, what? It didn't. Again, it didn't bug me, but you know, it, it also didn't. I wasn't like excited. Like, yeah, you just killed right. Rodan, or I know he's not dead. Danger, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I loved aspects of Mothra in this film. The Mothra larval birth. The Mothra adult scene where Mothra comes out of the waterfall was just breathtaking. And the scene where she sacrifices herself for Godzilla was just Oh, I like when she swooped so in good. and uh, webbed Geetra's heads against Yeah, him. yeah. There's just a lot say, of that's great That's one stuff, of my favorite but... scenes is like when he's stuck there and Godzilla just kind of like body checks him through the building. I thought was a great scene. Uh, I like, love how scene. he's trying to get, uh, Ghidra's trying to get the webs off and yeah. then you slowly see Godzilla's reflection yeah. form. In yeah. that building is so good. Yeah, ah, so good. I had, I really, I could, I could record an episode only about the stuff I love about oh, this yeah. movie for sure. Well, I was uh, gonna say that was like my, I think my very favorite. I do love that scene when Godzilla like checks Ghidra through the, the because uh, you see how strong Godzilla is, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Um, but no, when he's turned into fire Godzilla, mm-hmm. and I there was a scene. I was like, I've been waiting for this for. For years, and that is when he's walking, and the buildings are oh, everything's exploding. melting, like the like, cars oh, are melting. So cool. It's like because yeah. like that amount of heat is staggering, and it was just amazing to finally see that on on screen. Because even like burning Godzilla, he's supposed to be twelve hundred degrees. Like everything around him would be on fire. Yeah, and, and in, like, in yeah. Destroya, you didn't no. get that. No. I mean, they tell you, yes, he's yeah. going to melt through the center of the earth. It's going like, to be the worst thing ever, and yeah. that's what you just have to go. Okay, this is going to be the worst thing ever, but I'm still loving this. And yeah. like, it's when you see it. That was when the, you see such it, a good scene. You get, you feel the gravity. I yeah. love that when he yeah, was when his walking foot comes past down stuff and, you see and like the, stuff's like, melting, just, and it's yeah. got weird like glitchy stuff from his yeah. flames. And the, yeah. oh god, it was cool. That and then when just amazed by Ghidra is like blasting him with as much as he had and, nothing's and doing. Godzilla looks like he just goes <laughs> tickles yeah. and, and then That's he just unloads ah oh, so good well I like that they set up a little bit of internal logic for some things like the way Ghidra defends himself he always puts his wings up yeah mm-hmm. and it didn't work oh, that which was I thought so was cool. great yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is the thing that I loved that this this film series has done really well is every monster has a personality. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the Japanese movies have personality, but the reality is Ghidra in the Japanese films has never once had a personality. No. And He's never I've never found him shoots. that in yeah. uh, villainous or that no. impressive as no. a villain. And they gave or... him some motivation, some neat, like his, I mean, again, the, the suit actors, like, oh, that's great they chose three guys because then, like, to make each head individual, like, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really really appreciate that rodan had a weird like sneakiness about him yeah. that was really cool he was like, slightly m- subservient yeah, but Mothra, like... again was like the her uh, malevolence so cool. came right through like godzilla's got his own yeah like, it's like kong has his own personality the skull crawlers even did i mean yeah, yeah really i think cool. like ghidra yeah. it's like i totally believe you know it's like a dragon like in the older movies it's, you, you see the design because of the costume thing like this is not functional 
We can't do anything. And <laughs> yeah, that's it's like, like one of the reasons yeah. why it's like no you wouldn't be able to move very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why a Gigan, I think, is <laughs> one of a lot of people's favorites because he has so much personality. Yeah, you can so feel his malicious. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, and you well, can't get that with Gideon, well, but you did. And they also like took so many cool like references to build these characters' backgrounds, like when they showed them talking about King Ghidorah, they were showing like these reference photos and all these different paintings, like the Great Red Dragon and or the yeah the Great Red Dragon and um uh, the hydra and things like that in history so it, i thought it was like really cool that they showed those for each i love the monster. seal that looks right? like the chinese dragon yes! with the three heads and the crown on oh, it's like i love that little seal all that seriously i i left the movie and i wanted to work for monarch i mm-hmm. uh i love how into the monsters they were yeah. and like that scene that scene that you're talking about gretchen where dr chen is like showing all the the first things that she shows are like references to the devil, like mm. a lot of uh-huh. devilish yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then when she they come back later like and Goya uh, Mark yeah. and Dr. Chen are basically talking and he says something like, uh, you got anything in there about how to slay dragons? And she goes, oh, slaying dragons is a Western <laughs> you know, concept in the East. They're benevolent. And like, I was like, ooh, yes, yes. Like dispel that k- dragon killing myth. I just. Ah, I loved everything about the mythos that they're Again, building in this movie. And the fact that they actually acknowledge that Ghidra's from space. I love that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he's yeah, an yeah, invasive yeah, species. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't just make him like, oh, he's something that naturally evolved here? Like, like, they're like no. That's great. I love that. Totally. But, so but, yeah. do you guys want to touch on the after credit sequence? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. What's yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what's our theories? Think? Yeah. Okay, well, um, I'm talking primarily about the scene where Charles Dance goes in and they have basically one of the Ghidra heads the there. Middle yeah. head. No, it's not the middle it's head. The it's the left not. head. It's Kevin. It it's is Kevin. Kevin. It's oh. the original Kevin because they found it near Isla de Mara, which that's is right. where Rodan yeah. showed up. Yeah, and that's what, so, yeah. And he says, we'll take it. Yeah. yeah. So my whole thing, because when they've been talking about Kong versus Godzilla. It's like, there's no way you're going to have, because Godzilla is definitely a good guy. And Kong is a good guy. Well, even when Kong grows, he's he's outclassed when it comes to Godzilla. Well, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. My, my guess is it's going to be like Charles Dance is going to do something with this head, yeah. either a mecha. That's what I'm thinking. I doubt or, that. Or, or they're going to take <laughs> well, DNA. Well, you would doubt it, yeah. but then you yeah. sit there and look at what they did in this one. Or they're going to take yeah. DNA and uh, create some new that's what creature. I'm, that's so, what I'm so, something like that. Yeah. We, we need to talk about the mecha yeah. thing real quick. So, yeah. Yes. Like, I completely... Uh, would have been on board with uh, like with you right there like about they wouldn't be do it they it's wouldn't do a giant robot Rim however in the end credit sequence yeah. you can actually see a mention of a giant mechanical kong mechanicong yes <laughs> wow yes huh. so so this is what i think is going to happen this is just my prediction is you'll have kong and godzilla face off one time and then they'll realize oh there's this new threat and they'll team up well, that actually Just, has been. Uh, sorry, I think I might have cut no, you off, I'm but done. but essentially, ever since Kong Skull Island came out, and they set it up where you had the whole storyline with the American soldier and Japanese soldier fighting against each other mm-hmm. on the island, and then having to become friends to yeah. survive the island. Absolutely. The second that happened, I was like. And then goes right to what Jeff was saying is that they're both being portrayed as good guys, good characters. Yeah. And maybe I think it'll be a giant misstep if they throw that away. I know they did make that 
comment about, well, he's good now in this mm -hmm. current film. Mm -hmm. I think it's a misstep if they make either one of them villains. And I think the only way to go is, yeah, we're going to punch each other for 20 Until minutes. something comes up. And then yeah, some incorporate something else. And whether it's something that they juice up Kong with Ghidra's head or they <laughs> oh uh, create a new monster my from Ghidra's theory, head. I think I'm there's something. The be, yeah. See, my theory is uh, in the sequence of events of the, in the film, wins Godzilla bite that head off just before the oxygen destroyer takes place. We know Ghidra has like incredible regenerative abilities right. yeah. and this chemical reaction that it's immune to, but maybe not that won't mutate it. I think we're going to get destroyer out of it. Really? Oh, yeah. You know the interesting thing too. I wish now that Michael Dory was doing Congress Skull Island. He did. Yeah. I do believe he. Well, he helped write wrote it. it. Helped write it, didn't did he? he? Yeah, he's on a writing credit on it. It's a different director. Yeah, it's a different director, but I think he has a writing credit yeah. on okay. the next so that, movie. So that's good. The flat out. So hopefully, so hopefully yeah. he'll throw in a whole bunch of more. Well, yeah, stuff. that was the whole point. It was like he was getting to oversee this because they liked his take. So he's kind of moving forward. Because that. I mean, right now that's scheduled to come out in March of 2020. Yeah. Which is good. So yeah. We're, so exactly. we're only like, you know, 10 months away from that. So mm -hmm. I'm like totally, I'm pumped for that. Yep. So. Also, isn't the like Summer Olympics, isn't that in Japan 2020 too? It is, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know where that actual is in, in this article, but I swear I did see something where there, it was just like a mention of it, like the mechanized ape or something like that. Huh. Ah, uh, these end credits <laughs> paint such a cool. What if they did a straight up piece. like weird, a weird cross, King Kong escapes, King Kong escapes with a and oh, shades of that'd Godzilla. Be weird. That'd be amazingly <laughs> weird, wouldn't it? Doctor Who shows up yeah. and everybody's like, "No, we got to do the actual Doctor Who from England." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I got the screen up here on the Monarch finds massive egg. You guys see the yeah, author exactly. of the yeah. uh, article, Stephen Martin. <laughs> Good stuff. Love that. Oh my god, the whole end credits. Like I'm I really I can't wait for this entire movie to mm -hmm. to be released on Blue some high definition yeah. version. Apparently, it is available. I've already pre-ordered it. You, yeah. you can actually pre-order it, but uh, apparently it's going to be coming out a few days earlier on the digital version. Yeah. Oh, cool. So if you're one of those double dippers like I am and you're just like ready to lay down all the money for all the Godzilla releases, you can get it on iTunes or whatever and then buy the physical version. I really well. hope they don't do the thing where cuz sometimes this is a trend now where you'll have different special features at different retailers. Ugh, like that is Best annoying, Buy yeah. will have something. Well, then you, will have something. But then you have to wait like a year and a half to two years, yeah. and then a steel book will come out and yeah, have with, all that with, stuff yeah. together. I don't, yeah. I don't want to wait a year and a half. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> Maybe you should just wait a year, and then when they... Because they'll release something for when Kong comes out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure they well, they'll probably be like a Safeway version that's like cheap as hell. And <laughs> that's watch it until the I'm really... I'm going to wait for those bins in the The really Safeways. good yeah. one comes out. <laughs> See, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, I'm no like movie snob but like I'll buy a cheap ass version to watch sure, it yeah, and enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. it until I know that a much better version I think yeah. just give that copy to a co-worker I did that like, for The Fifth Element because yeah, exactly. the very first Fifth Element DVDs that came out were just bare bones they had nothing yeah, on them Dread and I was like, was like fine that. and then yeah. eventually the Ultimate Edition came out so yeah the Ultimate Edition of this is going to get my money I'm mm -hmm. sure yeah Anybody else want to talk about things that they loved about this film or should we just wrap up with our final I thoughts I love that it gave me a great summer movie that's like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. 
Yeah, because God knows X Men didn't. <laughs> I haven't seen X Men. Well, I think like, this is essentially going to be my that, only summer movie. That's a, oh, that's right. I was like, "There's an X Men movie." Yeah, out? Dark oh yeah. See, that's a, a much to Martin's point earlier. It's like that is a movie that was just so obviously rewritten mm-hmm. and reshot several times, mm-hmm. like multiple mm-hmm. times, because it's so disjointed and awful, and gotcha. slow and boring. And just, I went into hate it. I actually hate watched it, which I don't usually do, but. Mm. I just that knew sucks. it was going to be bad. I kind of want to see how bad of a train wreck. <laughs> well, I remember was. the very first time I went out, walked out of an X Men movie. I was disappointed. It was the yeah. third film. Yeah, and that just sort of set me up for the rest of the X Men series. Well, except for <laughs> Logan. No, I mean I liked Logan too, yeah. and I, there's other movies that I like. Like yeah. I like the first class movie a right. little bit, but none of them. I mean, basically that was the death of since the first of the X Men. Yeah. I love the second one. That's like yeah, my I love favorite. The one, anyway, yeah. digressions. Yep. Kaiju digressions. What were you going to say, Gretchen? Oh, no, I was just thinking about what Martin had said earlier about how he did, felt there was like completely out of place with the orca. Like, I, I've been wanting to talk about that earlier, but it oh, was right. yeah. getting separated from it. But it's based off of um, naval technology. Sure. Using subsonic waves, yeah. right, to control yeah. and. Echolocation keep... and just Right. Like and to yeah, also, like, like, there's some yeah. sci fi elements it was, of this that yeah. might actually be realistic, but bio. Bio acoustics, stuff, bio acoustics. Yeah. like that's what they're talking about. That's the, not the bio... really far straight. No. That's not fringy science. Because real pretty... whales are suffering right. from like that kind of thing currently. So exactly, I think my issue with it that was a different one than Martin's was the fact that it suddenly, like, all we've been told is like they're uncontrollable. These are gods. We are mere ants below them. It's like, but then we have this MacGuffin that kind of allows us <laughs> to control them that. or or influence them. It's like. No, that shouldn't. There shouldn't be anything that you can do one way or the other. Like it is a, it is a pretty. That's a stretch. Yes, for it to be like idea to like be able to awaken them and do these things and call them and everything. But it's else, not. Then it's not too you, far from what we got in Space Godzilla. It's not too yeah. far from what we got in Godzilla. Is it? But I mean, it's in the, universe. What is I'm the, talking uh, in universe to this movie. We, They're this saying one alone? these are gods. Yeah. We can't control them. We I don't can't have, kill them. Do you we have can't. an issue with that in terms of like? Because they really Dude, did make does, them more like animals too, yeah. so it's that they're no. they're building up the mythos, but then yeah. they're peeling it back and saying like, yes, there's a mythos behind yeah. there. They 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 were worshipped as gods, and we need to live with them, coexist with them. Mm-hmm. But really, what's happening here is that these monsters are just like other animals, and yeah. there's mm-hmm. an alpha, and that there are subservient beasts, basically. Sure, except sure. for Ghidra is from space, uh, the, right? Sure, the, uh, which is why the idea that he was they an could alpha fix predator. that. The broken oh, yeah, version yeah, 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 in yeah. like three minutes in the rain. <laughs> with no I, tools, too. I no barely tools, yeah. can do any kind of electronics. So it's like, there's no way they could do that. Yeah. Like, they can't solder that in the yeah. rain and get it fixed and working. And like, There are plenty yeah. of times in this movie where my suspension of disbelief was stretched very, go. very thin. Well, just but the I, giant it's, flying headquarters is one of those. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Dude, Monster Island. Can I, or Monster oh, yeah. Land. Can, you, can I please just say, like, I, I was looking through the movies, uh, sort of like yeah. reviewing everything that happens in the movies. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely making myself like my definitive list of Easter eggs in the film. And when they show up at Castle Bravo, mm-hmm. Castle Bravo is the name of what? Well, it's Bikini Atoll. Boom. The Bikini yeah. Atoll tests that actually irradiated the Lucky Dragon number five, That's which was the, whole we'll call, the, yeah, anyway, the so first hydrogen bomb. Yeah. Also, Castle Bravo is... Monarch Base 54. Yes. You know, so anyway, I love that. And the fact that they show up at Castle Bravo and the the Osprey, not the mm-hmm. helicopter, but, the, you know, the Osprey 
goes down that shaft, I'm like, this is just like Destroy All Monsters. Yeah, I did love that. <laughs> and then they're like, we built this facility to track Godzilla. I'm like, just like Destroy All Monsters. Yeah. You know, and they had the the Muto head in there, which yeah. was kind of cool, but at the same, it's very Joker, uh, not Joker, oh, very Batman, Batman lair, Batman. you know, yeah. with, the, with the dinosaur and stuff. It totally makes the, sense. I mean, you see the same thing in Pacific Rim, though, yeah, too. It's like, yeah. you see them yeah. studying. The, of course, they study the Muto. Yeah, but like, I'm just it's saying, not like, just a trophy, that Muto... Yeah. It's like it's it's like yeah. such a cool decorative piece. Like and a I'm giant a taxidermy guy. Or a you know what I mean? I yeah. I like a good jackalope on my wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally into it. Anyway, I was great. Yeah. No, I again like everybody that could bitch about this is like maybe check your privilege because we're getting these movies. What's wrong with you? Right? Like, yeah. Even if it's not the greatest film that ever existed. They made it. I don't expect I Hollywood so... to make the greatest Godzilla film ever made. When people like Steve Rifle walk out of a movie like this and are disappointed, I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, what were you expecting yeah. to see? I was really... Because this like, is... Same with the guy that uh, yeah that wrote the really negative review for like Film Threat or something yeah. like that. It's like, what did you expect to see? Like, yeah. This, this was what I expected to see. Yeah. This is what I expected to see in 1998, you everything's know, essentially. A, everything's a gradient, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no perfect movie. There's no, it's like, even the greatest yeah. films that have ever been made, they'll have their flaws. There's like, I know people love 2001. It's so boring. <laughs> Art is subjective. I mean, it is subjective. You <laughs> yeah, know, the, Martin hates, uh, you guys hate, some I, of you guys hate I, the families, the family in this movie. Yeah. I literally had no problem connecting with them. Yeah. Like when, when uh, the dad shows up in Antarctica and she's like, the daughter is like, why is dad here? I'm like, (laughs) I "I hear you, girl. I understand where you're coming from. I like those things. I mean, it's like that, that. Those the individual scenes didn't bother me. Sure, like yeah. more the divorced parents with the one little the girl fractured family thing. Fractured. Yeah, it gets a little. Yeah, yeah. it's it's supposed yeah. to be a cliche. Thankfully yeah. for me, I don't watch a lot of movies, so yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not tired of the cliche. I don't find 2001 to be boring in the least. But Amen. We'll just leave. <laughs> no, but we'll leave I that. think there are better Kubrick movies. Um, I'm a huge Kubrick fan. Okay. I just like. But what I will say though is like you also when you come to a film like this. I don't want to make excuses because, but yeah, maybe I am, but you are living in, you know, we're living in a modern, this is the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is making the movies that they make. And while it would be great for them to, you know, completely come out of, you know, left field and make something no one was expecting, that's likely not going to happen. And as a fan of older films, you know, I love older films a lot more than anything that's new. I love a lot of older films way more than mm-hmm. this film. I wasn't expecting to walk into this film and get something that I loved in my childhood. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to get a modern film and was hoping that it would have elements that resonated with me. And that's what I got. Um, and the, the truth of the matter is, yeah, there are so many things about this film that are still, you know, problematic and modern film things that i don't like about the modern film experience but i kind of just have to sit there and go that but that's fine but isn't that you a know, win that's... isn't that you still ticked enough things that you exactly. thought it was right. fun yeah. so yeah. that's a win <laughs> it's like, yeah exactly yeah. it's like i, I if i want to sit there and i could just sit there and complain about cg up and down yeah. left and right all mm-hmm. day long and hate the film for that but that really to me at this point in my life is not fun 
mm. entertaining. You're just and kicking worth the my rocks time. down the road at that yeah. point. Everybody knows that, like, yeah, everybody can complain about CG, but it's the way it is. And this given is my choice, yeah. sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, the one thing I will say is, given my choice of seeing a CG film or going to see a film with men and men and women yeah. in suits and have the audience laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been to me. It's like, well, I got what I wanted, but now I'm watching the movie and now I'm angry because modern audiences are just laughing at what I love. Yeah. And maybe, well, then I could watch it on Blu-ray, but well, I, I'm honest, glad we're not sitting there having that experience. But honestly, like, was the CG bad in this movie? I no, it was beautiful so. no, no, CG. I think I Yeah. So your point yeah. is that we would, while we would love to see, well, especially people who love practical effects i think all of us here love Absolutely. practical effects over cgi effects but like while we would love to see a man in a suit what would suck is if they made a man in a suit movie and then we go and it's like we're sitting surrounded by people who like aren't are getting it, are it. ridiculing yeah. it yeah. and like we're sitting there going like all right this looks really good actually and you guys are making fun of it so what's going on here and i i yeah, i i feel you with that and i i understand we're same thing I said with Shin Godzilla. Like, mm -hmm. if this is the way it's got to be, this is the way it's got to be, you know? And I'm glad that they're doing things like bringing in motion capture actors that right. are doing something to give those monsters personality. Exactly. And they did that versus Shin Godzilla didn't have a motion capture yeah, they, actor. They did. Actor? They did. Yeah, he had they a did. very good actor. For their face? Not no, for their he face. Didn't, well, didn't well that's what face, I'm talking yeah. about. It's like, with uh, King Ghidorah's faces, they're all, they're yes. motion capture actors, yeah. <laughs> like, actually I'm a, acted. I'm a little, little whiff-waff on that, like, in terms of, like, if that was necessary. But I hear As far you. as putting on their expressions it. and stuff like that? Yeah. See, I think it gave them... Without making them um, too human. Uh-huh. Too cartoony. Too cartoony. It right. wasn't too like cartoony. I think it was just kind of... Oh, Larry and Curly. Right. It was just kind of a nice line. I mean, they had some funny bits because, like, you know, there's the Kevin head. And it's funny and cute and all that. But sure. I liked the fact that it seems like this is our more modern version of our of suit, suit, suit actors. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. That, you know, at the same time, it's funny since the movie's come out and obviously we all look at social media that has right. full of memes. It's like... They've made this Kevin Head thing oh, such a so much more absurd than it actually appears in the movie. It's like, well, oh, he's just the least dominant head. Yeah, <laughs> like they are making him so derpy and stupid and memery, yeah. and now that's influencing your thought about the way the character was on film. And he wasn't. He was just like the least aggressive head. Yeah, it was just like so, the the kind of slower head. Yeah, or the more curious one. Yeah, but I feel he like there was lick, a snow old cartoon called Henry's Cat. Where they fought a three-headed dragon and Dom DeLuise voiced, I don't know, if, <laughs> nobody in the room seems to know what I'm talking about, so listeners back me up on this if you've heard, seen it. And I feel like it had a total derpy head on it. Is that it? Is that Henry's cat? That is Henry's cat. Oh, okay. weird. Um, yeah. Okay, now I remember. And at some point he fought a three-headed something, and I'm pretty yeah. sure one of the heads was straight up. It might have been, I don't know if it was a dragon or if it was just a monster, but yes. Dom DeLuise. Wow. You must have seen the movie, you must have read the book. He's a I, yellow something feline, so this, take a second That's the three-headed monster right there. There it is, there yeah. it is, and yes, it's got a total... Oh, it sure does have a derpy head, who's like a clown head. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Let's just roll final thoughts, right? Yep. Can't wait for the next film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I want to see a trailer. Get a I'm trailer out. I'm just happy that people are... It's a month later, and we're still talking about it, and we're still excited about it. Mm-hmm. I know people that, yes, we've been positive and Martin had some of the negative side of, you know, he represented that side of the coin, 
And I know there are other people out there that didn't like it, but we're talking about it. And it didn't just go away for fans mm -hmm. like a month later or less than a month later where you're just like, whatever, it's that, over and I'm not even thinking that, about it yeah. anymore. That's where I think the most pleasant thing about this is that this movie, a giant Hollywood movie, was made for Godzilla fans, which I think is maybe part of Martin's reasoning for why he didn't connect with it quite as much is because he's not really as invested just because he's no longer here to defend himself i that is the last time i have to be in the room with him <laughs> no but i Death just think, to the daikaiju discussion no i mean I, that's why i think like maybe people who really yeah. walked out or didn't like it is maybe because they're they're not as huge a fan. They're not as entrenched in all this. Yeah. yeah. And the curious thing is, I'd be curious to see if there was a 20-year-old who had only maybe seen the American Godzilla movies. Or nothing. Do they yeah. even know who Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidra are? Again, I do think that these things are, maybe not Ghidra, but at least Mothra is part of the zeitgeist of culture, of pop culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think everybody, even if they don't know him by name, they recognized that three-headed dragon monster. Right. They've seen yeah. something... I'm sure even my parents who have no interest in story could probably go, Oh, I remember that moth creature monster from an old movie in the sixties. Like, you know, I, I know it was, I, I agree with you that it, that has been the case. I do sometimes wonder if that is still what's going on just because of the way kids are raised now in the now. world that they live in. Like it also was always expected that the Beatles were something that, you, you you may not have been a fan of, but that's it was the same thing, and I do believe there are younger people that would say, "Who are the Beatles?" Oh sure, sure. But I think I have I you know I don't have kids, so I don't I don't know I don't know if that's but it, but it was it what you're saying was definitely true for the longest time where these were just iconic characters um, that you just they just were there. Is it's kind of like any horror. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, all those iconic things, they just exist. And whether you've seen it or not, you can make a joke about it or get a joke about it. And But I, I feel like that might be going away just with how people have access to just essentially, I want to focus on just what I like mm -hmm. and what's being marketed towards me. We'll see. Um, I mean, obviously the film didn't do m massive didn't do bad technically. No, no, I'm not saying yeah. it did bad. I'm just yeah. saying that might not be true anymore. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? At this point, I'm really looking forward to seeing not just Godzilla versus Kong, but hearing Okay, so I haven't listened to any of the interviews, but just seeing like little headlines that I will eventually check out, like hearing or seeing that Doherty has plans for other aspects. And like there's some rumors that Legendary is actually going to try and continue the MonsterVerse yes, after 2021 yeah. or 2020. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's let's see what happens. Like after you guys made this film and after Kong Skull Island and even after Rampage, like I'm on board. I'm I'm totally fine with this stuff and I'm ready for it. Well, it doesn't supplant the old stuff at all. Whatever Everything's there. Yeah, whatever Toho's also got on the table because totally know, they're, yeah. They're supposedly chomping at the bit to make another Godzilla. I'm waiting for them to ask my reaction, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and again, the fact that we're talking about it a month later, we're all relatively positive, except for Martin. 
Um, Dave might not have been positive who, who either. Flips, no, he wouldn't have been. I who mean, flips he on have his opinion it, a lot, <laughs> but um, it wasn't mediocre. I mean, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. Like, I think it was more successful than it wasn't successful. Yeah. I mean, as far as like my viewing experience, and the worst thing a piece of art can be is boring and forgettable. Yeah. And I thought they did a pretty nice job. I'm gonna, I enjoy. I'd like now discussing. It's like maybe I'll watch another showing of it tonight. Awesome, like, you know? awesome. So, or I'll check it out tomorrow. It's like, I, I want to see it again. I am enjoying the experience of viewing it. And That's cool. so That's I think cool. they succeeded. Yeah. Lady Kyle went to do something with her friends the other night. And I was like, Hmm, I could pop out. I and think go I'm going to go see Godzilla tonight. <laughs> yeah. And I did. And yep. it was my fourth screen screening. Uh, all right. Anything else we want to say or should I? That one. I'm excited about fans, the new fans, guys. I mean, like, yeah. So they're going to come in with zero knowledge. That's but fine. Everybody did it's at one point. so cool. Like I, as I work as a barista and I have a lot of customers that come in and some people saw this just to have discourse with me because yeah. they, they see I've got Godzilla tattoos and they chat yeah. with me. What my coworkers, some of them. Did the right. Thing, and yeah. it was just like, that was so exciting to meet these people like, so what did you think of this? And I was like, Oh my God, let me tell you about what yeah, <laughs> you and all know? That, like, it. So was, did they do it right? Did they do it? Like they the were really like, excited. Yeah, I, I like those questions. They're fun. It's to a lot of fun. It. Like, and that's yeah. been really positive spin from this is that yeah. all Albeit said, all said and done, yeah, it's not the pseudacted films that we all come to love, but it's really good. It's really not bad. It's really. I guess there's room in my heart for both, yeah, though. Right. I mean, it's so, different. Yeah, I don't mind. It's like, it's that's one of the reasons why I loved comic books as a kid, is because you could tell them in so many different ways. Right. You could. Well, some of my favorite things was back when I was obviously I, born in the 70s, raised in the 80s, and uh, they were really experimental back then, and you could take a character. That was very mainstream, and sometimes the comic companies would make a special imprint that would tell a totally different story with the character, whether it be a Spider-Man or somebody else, um, that was so outside of what the regular continuity was, that added to the, to the world of that character. It made him bigger or, or more expansive or more personal or whatever. And the same thing, I'm willing to watch every iteration they're willing to make some will not be successful like the animes i hate the they're animes. so bad they're it's awful okay. across the board they're really bad in almost every way there is almost nothing redeemable to those me <laughs> i will the not chance. be they took uh, the chance. defending them at all yeah. no no they took the chance at least they tried uh they failed really miserably and then we're super defensive about it too which was funny to me but the only thing i found that was kind of like hokey like that you could probably tie the two together is that in the novelization, the people that like their eco terrorists yes. are um, yeah. like a religious order. Yeah. Whereas like King Ghidorah's like followers are all like a very oh, yeah, religious yeah, yeah. like cult. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen the the second and third anime films, <laughs> uh, what takes them down is you know the humans down is like their own Ghidorah cult. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Which will be interesting if they attempt to now. Do a new anime that was a totally different one. It's like yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it, just not that series. That just one was bad. Walk away from that whole. <laughs> walk away yeah. from that whole future like Godzilla amoeba, yeah. future Godzilla. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But back on the King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Tip, yeah, uh, I'd say. I mean, unless anybody has anything else to say, we should probably get to the listener homework. You guys know how many submissions we a had? Twenty four. Right? Yeah, twenty five. Uh, Let me guess. Well, thirty by, by the end. Thirty. Wow. wow. Before we get to some of our homework from the listeners, we did have a couple of thoughts that were recorded outside the theater. 
And you know what? Because Rachel wasn't here, because Dave wasn't here, I will actually play their thoughts just as we left the theater, just so you guys can hear them. And then we'll get to some audio homework, followed by the other homework. Then we'll follow that up with the winners to the contest. Now, I specifically told someone on Facebook that we would definitely hear from Rachel. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it to our actual discussion. But here's what she had to say immediately walking out of the theater. Uh, really pleasantly surprised, actually. Um, nonstop action. Uh, actually cared about some of the characters, which is a first for American Godzilla movies. Um, and enjoyed a lot of the monsters. It was a lot of fun. I'm like kind of in shock right now that I enjoyed it. <laughs> so yeah, I get a kick out of it. All right. And of course, I've got to let Dave get his say, right? Yeah, I think I'm agreeing with a lot of uh, everybody else. It's like the, the soundtrack was fantastic. And I don't know, normally notice soundtracks yeah. in, uh, in movies, but I love that. Uh, the creatures were good. Even the, uh, the co-star creatures were good. I'm interested in, I, I'm waiting for somebody to like pause the film and write down all the little names from all the targets so yeah, that we yeah. can like see like you know behemoth and quetzalcoatl and all the other ones that were like hidden in there um hate the screenplay hate it hate it hate it <laughs> so tired of oh it's the domestic uh, problems of a nuclear family set against the backdrop of global destruction i am so sick of movies like that all right i and and just really disappointed that it didn't aspire to be better than that but the monsters like everybody said, gorgeous. All right. Several days after we were able to see the screening, I was able to go see the film on opening night, Thursday, actually. It was with Clancy, myself, and one of our listeners, Chris Glaw, was there. Here's a little something we recorded after that. So Clancy and I just walked out of our, uh, our local screening where really only the diehard came out, and that's Chris Glaw. <laughs> Say hi, man. Hey, how's it going? So I got to tell you, it's good to see you out here. Obviously, it's always good to see you here. Well, thank you for organizing. I'm always a fan <laughs> of going to the Kaiju Cast meetup things. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, tell me your initial thoughts. You literally just walked out of the movie. I want to get them fresh, fresh as they come. I loved it. It's a great movie. It's fun. If you love all the Godzilla movies, you, I will. I'm almost sure you'll love this movie. It has so many nods to the old films. It was, I got goosebumps. It was just great. It did not disappoint. Would you show it to a kaiju newbie? Sure. Okay. And then... <laughs> I, uh, I would just be like, you just got to see it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. really good. And then, did you have a favorite moment? There were so many. I'll have to say when they first showed um, King Ghidorah Evolve, that was something else. Actually, when all the monsters came out and about, it was just like... Amazing, um, yeah. It, there's a there's a lot to take in. It's it, it's a it's action and the one thing you and I were just saying, tons of monster fighting. Finally, tons of it. Yeah, tons of it. You're not going to see just Godzilla for like ten minutes. It's excellent. Yeah, I can't wait till someone actually times this and says, "Well, here's how much you get in Godzilla: King of the Monsters." Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, so much good stuff. Anyway, yeah. thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, take awesome. it easy. Now let's dive right into the homework. We'll start off with two excellent students who went ahead and sent their homework in in audio format. Benjamin Erickson, you have the floor. To put it simply, I've had a blast every single time I've seen this movie. Uh, I think director Michael Doherty's love for the King of the Monsters and his foes really shines through in the final product, and I can't help but mirror the feeling. 
Uh, additionally, I think the same thing can be said about Bear McCreary and his score for the film. Uh, I think the film would be somewhat lacking uh, as it is without uh, Ifakube's and Koseki's themes for uh, Godzilla and Mothra, respectively, and every time they were incorporated, even if it's a little bit here or there, uh, I got a little excited um, hearing it. Such is the case with my favorite part of the movie, at least currently, which was Godzilla's rebirth. Uh, just seeing him rise from the depths and then blast forth in the heavens, and they got the triumphant version of his theme playing, I just thought it was fantastic. To sum it up, I am definitely charged up for next year's big matchup with Kong, and I'm holding out hope for more entries into the MonsterVerse. Also, Michael Nikolai sent in his homework. Hi, my name is Michael Nikolai, and I enjoyed Godzilla King of the Monsters very much. I could spend an hour nitpicking the movie into oblivion. Like, why does Mother have a stinger? Is she a bee? It would be cool if they made a new kaiju that was a giant bee, and then Mother could fight the bee. But instead, I want to talk about my favorite scene from this movie, one that's given me a lot to think about in regards to CG kaiju and practical effects. Part of what I love so much about Japanese kaiju movies is how much love they pour into their practical effects. Nothing captures air and light and smoke and water and the sense of scale needed to bring these gigantic creatures to life like building a miniature set. But the aerial battle between Rodan and King Ghidorah brought both of these characters to life in a way that isn't possible with a prop or a model. Rodan especially has gotten the short end of the stick in some of his portrayals, standing stiff and upright on the ground, slapping enemies with his wings. This Rodan was at home in the sky with a sense of weight and grace that a man in a suit would just not be able to achieve. The barrel roll that takes out the fighter planes is just a magnificent shot, like you could feel the heat it gives off. It's the best Rodan has looked since the original 1956 movie, and it was in CG from an American director. I will love my suitmation and tiny sets forever, but that scene has given me a lot to chew on, and for that I am grateful. All right, let's get to the homework. So the first thing I need to tell everybody is that this, I'm pretty sure clocks in at the most amount of homework we've gotten. Uh, Shin Godzilla might have been up there, but man, that was just a crazy episode. And we at least got in 28, if not 30, counting our audio homework. So bravo, class. Well done. Well done. We're going to go ahead and start things off with Kevin, who says he loved this movie. It was thoroughly entertaining, and anyone who felt that the first Godzilla was lacking should be pleased. The moment Madison is introduced using Pixie's wave of mutilation, we are off to the races. And as for that plot, Kevin enjoyed the human villains, but some may find their speeches a little corny. That's par for the course with the Godzilla flick, though. The casting all around was a real treat. Everyone was really great. And it was a shame to see Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins not make it. But at the same time, it fueled the story, so it worked. He enjoyed the soundtrack, but felt that at times it could be more overpowering than the visuals on screen, and a little ham-fisted. The monster designs were excellent and faithful, and even though they were CGI, the design team did such a great job of making them move like suit actors. Doherty really leaned into this, and that was a plus. Mothra was just beautifully done, and Rodan was straight up sick. Such a badass. Some may think that the monsters bowing to Godzilla at the end would be cheesy, but this was Doherty again giving the nod to the Toho films. Godzilla and the Titans aren't mindless destruction monsters, they have personalities. So this was reminiscent of so many Godzilla team-ups when the monsters are shrieking at each other and communicating. This also drives home the overall motif of the Alpha, 
Godzilla King of the Monsters was fun and exciting and well worth the price of admission. Kevin cannot wait for Godzilla vs. Kong, but really both of them versus Ghidra, and probably Mothra will spit some silk. Brian saw King of the Monsters and loved it. He wants to be the first to bestow the two main characters with the character-appropriate nicknames. Plot Device Mom and Exposition Dad. Copyright Brian in Seattle. And did Kyle Chandler remind you of Robert Forster in Alligator? There should have been more Rodan, but they made up for it with all the amazing Mothra scenes. This is certainly one of the very best Godzilla movies ever made in terms of special effects and monster destruction. Brian says this one is the very best. Mick thinks Godzilla King of the Monsters feels like the stepdad of the series, although the spectacle is fantastic and the recognizable titans look better than ever. Taking heavily emotional subjects like the Oxygen Destroyer and Dr. Sarazawa's death and trying to call back to them like saying, hey, I'm just as cool as your real dad, comes off unearned and weightless. Yes, Burning Godzilla is Mick's favorite thing in the movie, as Godzilla vs. Destroya is also one of his favorites, but using a symbolic form of a dying Godzilla as a way to make Godzilla go Super Saiyan feels like a nod to the past that also misses the point. Derek loved every second of Godzilla King of the Monsters. The fan service was spectacular, filled with tidbits that fans will recognize. The moment Charles Dance in his dark leather jacket spoke the words Monster Zero, Derek was taken back to his younger days watching Godzilla films. Mothra and Rodan were handled nicely, especially Mothra's adult form emerging from the waterfall. Such a great moment. Derek didn't really share the same complaints that he'd heard about the story, although a lot of those same tropes were used in kaiju films of days past. Derek would definitely see this again, just for the epic finale that takes place in his hometown of Boston. Strong recommendation. Tom says that aside from the obvious stuff, like the big four being reunited on screen, he really loved the Easter eggs and callbacks, like the base called Castle Bravo 54, referencing the original release date and Castle Bravo nuclear test of the same year, which irradiated some of the Japanese fishermen and was basically the inspiration for the original movie. He was pleasantly surprised how closely the monster designs fit with the classics and how much personality they had. There are too many other things to mention, so he'll sign off with a big dose of hype for next year's Godzilla vs. Kong. This is the first time Jack has been able to submit homework for a Daikaiju discussion, and he didn't want to be left out for the final one. Godzilla King of the Monsters was fantastic. He was happy that the sequel fixed issues he had with the 2014, mainly Not Enough Godzilla. That and cutting away from the monster action. Hopefully it isn't hard to see this new film's glorious monster action when re-watching it on Blu-ray like it is for the 2014 film. The human story also kept Jack more engaged than the 2014 and the music was phenomenal due to Bear McCreary's use of the original Fukubei themes. Mike Doherty has got the designs and personalities of the monsters down. Jack liked that the movie made him feel like he was watching a Hollywood-slash-modern interpretation of Godzilla movies that pulled aspects from all of his favorite films from over the 65 years the character has been around, particularly paying homage to the Showa era. Jack had two favorite moments. The first is when Ken Watanabe's Dr. Serizawa sacrificed himself to detonate the nuclear bomb to accelerate Godzilla's healing-slash-revival. He thought it was very touching when Serizawa said, "'Goodbye, old friend.'" to Godzilla, because from the expression in Godzilla's eye, it looked like he understood what Sarazawa was doing for him. Jack liked this moment because in Godzilla 54, Sarazawa sacrifices himself when using the Oxygen Destroyer to kill Godzilla. It made sense to Jack that 65 years later, the monster versus Dr. Sarazawa would have a different reason to sacrifice himself in regards to Godzilla. 
That is to fix the military's mistake of using their oxygen destroyer on Godzilla due to the reverence Sarazawa had for legendary Goji and his role within maintaining a balance within nature along with being the key to humans coexisting with the Titans. Wow, man, that was a long sentence. <laughs> the other favorite moment from Godzilla King of the Monsters that Jack had was that he took his dad to see the movie and after getting out of the theater, his dad wants to watch all the old Godzilla movies again. Luckily, Jack already has those in his movie collection. Dakota says that Godzilla King of the Monsters is the movie he's waited for for years. While paying tribute to the 65 years of the Big G with Easter eggs, character appearances, and more, it gave us a universe that can tell countless stories. Godzilla King of the Monsters reminds Dakota of why he's a Godzilla fan. 10 Oxygen Destroyers out of 10. Henry saw Godzilla King of the Monsters as a love song ride for fans and a pretty solid summer blockbuster for the casual film goer. At the time of writing this homework, he's seen the movie three times, twice on opening day, and then the third was to work on his review of a parking lot episode for his It Came From a Monster Movie podcast, and simply put, all hail the king. While the film does have nits to pick, Henry was amazed at how well executed its Easter eggs were how the monstrous sequences were done, and how easy it was to connect with the human cast. He really liked that Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins were able to expand on their characters and have fun with it. Also, huge kudos to making King Ghidorah an actual threat instead of just the build-up that he's destroyed worlds, fear him. Godzilla's heroic but looming destructive shadow is well-placed in this movie. Rodan and Mothra do a good job of being themselves when on screen, and while he wishes Rodan's classic roar was more distinct in this film, having Mothra's song was just as sweet. One of his favorite moments in this movie is realizing that Dr. Chen has a twin, and that her family is this amazing Mothra fairy Easter egg. Also, the outpost numbers referencing the monster's debuts is nice. King of the Monsters is a beautiful film, and Henry's excited for where the heck we'll go for Godzilla vs. Kong. William says that Godzilla King of the Monsters has only one positive, awesome monster fights. The more he thinks about this movie, the more he hates it. The entire lore that Gareth and Mike created, they existed before man and were worshipped like gods. These kaiju are realistic to normal animals. Yuck. Disgusting. Lame. He hated the characters. They're just action movie planks. No charisma or personality. The two stars of these movies should have been Brian Cranston and somebody else. Anybody else. Ken Watanabe is a terrible actor. Sorry, not sorry. R.I.P. Dr. Sarazawa, 2019. The device that mimicked the kaiju voices and controlled them was freaking stupid. Rodan bowing down to King Ghidra and Godzilla? Hell no. Hashtag not my Rodan. Williams Rodan would have shown no fear and beat up Godzilla like he did back in 1964 and 93. Oh, and the rest of the legendary kaiju that made cameos are weak, not cool. They were boring designs. Lastly, he says, stop having kaiju fights in the dark. That's too dark. We can't see anything. He would have loved to see Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidra and Godzilla destroying buildings and fighting in the daylight. I think we can definitely agree on that one, man. Mike took his daughter, Michaela, to see King of the Monsters. This has become a tradition that started in 2014 with the Gareth Edwards film. After the Gareth Edwards film, they went to see Shin Godzilla on the big screen and most recently saw King of the Monsters. Their next Godzilla movie on the big screen will be at G-Fest when they attend the event for the first time. The only minor criticisms Mike has are the dark fight scenes and the gratuitous swearing as he saw young kids in attendance. Mike also checked out the Godzilla Aftershock graphic novel and thought that it was completely non-essential, merely a cash grab. Being a completist, he's still glad he bought it. He's not a fan of the Godzilla as a species point of view, as he sees Godzilla as a single creature. 
Anyway, Mike plans to see King of the Monsters at an IMAX theater, which is about an hour away, and then at a drive-in, which is also about an hour away. The drive-in will be another item to check off on his Godzilla bucket list. Mike also says that his favorite part of the movie was when all the kaiju bowed down to the king, although he did love the movie from start to finish. As a kaiju fan since 1975, William, another William, thought this movie was awesome. The human story was a little over the top, but he really only cared about seeing Godzilla and his foes, and he was not disappointed. The battle scenes were intense, and he was literally sitting on the edge of his seat. No real complaints, to be honest. He was extremely happy sitting and watching his favorite genre and totally being into it from beginning to end. He's totally grateful for that. His favorite part wasn't really a part, but an observation as a whole. The periodic references and music to the old films through the entire movie were refreshing and to him showed great respect to those that made these films from the very beginning to today, either Japanese or American. Lastly, in the rolling credits, the remembrance of Haru Nakajima and Yoshimitsu Bano. For that, William applauds Michael Doherty and the entire production. Matthew found Godzilla King of the Monsters to be a brilliant movie if viewed through the same lens as you would view a Showa or Heisei film. These humans weren't useless and the monster action was amazing. Every kaiju or titan on screen looked fantastic, especially Godzilla and Ghidra. 9.5 out of 10 Screonks, a must-see for fans and newbies. His favorite part was when Godzilla, powered by Serizawa's and Mothra's sacrifices, becomes a burning supercharged god monster and incinerates King Ghidra. Finally, a clear verdict on who is the true king. Steve says that Godzilla King of the Monsters is the best U.S. kaiju monster and certainly U.S. Godzilla movie, bar none. He loved it. It brought him back to his childhood watching Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster and Godzilla vs. the Thing in a movie theater as a double feature matinee. He liked the balance between the human characters, enjoying almost all of them. He loved the monster fights and the designs of the monsters, thought the cinematography was beautiful and the score was magnificent. It was far from perfect, but the story worked. Even though it had problems, what Godzilla movie doesn't? His favorite moment was when the original Afukube Godzilla theme starts with those incredible arrangements and using the choir as backup. Second to that is when the Mothra song came in. He also liked the nod to the twin theme from the Mothra films. Steve was really delighted by this film and even had tears in his eyes when Sarazawa sacrificed himself for Godzilla. What a great way to close the circle. Five out of five, Daikaiju heads or tails. Clyde begins with admitting that he's not the type to go into a movie with low expectations. Call it a character flaw or what you will, he's just not like that. And so far, he's never walked out of a movie disappointed. And after King of the Monsters, he most certainly was not disappointed. The love he has for this movie is insurmountable, from the visual effects to the score to the screenplay. All in all, it was a tremendous effort given by those involved. King of the Monsters definitely had the vibe of an old-school Showa-era movie. Everything down to an evil villain with nefarious plans against humanity. He enjoyed the aspect of Monarch taking not-so-secretive a stance on protecting humanity against the Titans. The monster reveals were a real highlight as well as the fact that there were 17 Titans being counted and studied and or contained. Then the scene with Sarazawa in the Hollow Earth to help Godzilla accelerate his healing with the nuke was a nice contrast to the 1954 movie ending. His least favorite part of the movie was the end where all the titans surrounding Godzilla bowed in fealty to the king. It just seemed a little too Disney for his tastes. His favorite part, though, was the twin reveal when the Mothra hatched from her cocoon as witnessed by Houston Brooks, the character from Kong Skull Island, 
and Dr. Ling, sister of Dr. Chen, who was on the Argo, explaining to Mark Russell about how there were three generations of twins in her family involved with Monarch. Bottom line, the movie was like no other movie in recent years, and he would just love to know why it had such a lackluster reception for its opening weekend. He really hopes that doesn't bode ill for the MonsterVerse after Godzilla vs. Kong. Chad exclaims, Yay, America! You finally made a decent Godzilla movie! Chad can say this was a fun movie, not so much for the other two American-produced films. He was nervous about how they would adapt creatures such as Mothra and Ghidra for an American audience, but Chad thought they did a pretty good job of making those monsters accessible without taking too much away from the original source material. He enjoyed the human drama in the movie more than the 2000 film and was happy to see the Toho science start to make its way into the monsterverse. Cons of this movie were bad action movie dialogue, some CGI effects not looking as good as some other recent movies, and no explanation of the other non-main four monsters in the film. Pros of this film are that it was a well-paced movie with tons of monster scenes blending with the human drama of the film. And with the Fukabe's music being used and the Easter eggs galore for hardcore fans, America is finally stepping into the right direction for making Godzilla films. Eric could talk about everything he loves about King of the Monsters for quite a while, so instead he'll give a few quick critiques and round it out at the end. Although, taken as a whole, he thought the thin plot and super corny dialogue made this feel a lot more like a Godzilla movie and therefore enjoyable. When it comes to the monsters, he wishes we had seen Ghidra's glorious golden scales in the sunlight. That would have been great. However, he is fantastically in love with this movie. It's not great art, but it was a tremendous accomplishment. An absolute and unapologetic love letter to Godzilla movies and their fans. The whole thing felt like an American version of a 90s era Godzilla movie. One you can wrap around you like a security blanket when you're having a rough day. Eric's favorite moment was when Mothra was first revealed and we heard the breathtaking new version of her theme. The entire soundtrack is amazing, but that is when it hit him that this was a Godzilla movie, pure and simple. The seven-year-old kid in Lee wants to give this film 10 out of 10 for treating the source material with such love and reverence, unashamedly including elements like monster tag team battles a la Megalon and ham-fested environmental messages a la Hedera, etc., However, the 27-year-old Lee thinks it deserves a 6 out of 10 due to exposition overload, terrible attempts at irreverent humor, and an exhaustingly relentless pace. Upon multiple subsequent viewings, his final verdict lands somewhere in the middle at like an 8. It goes without saying that the cinematography and the spectacle are some of the best he's ever seen in a modern film, but what surprised him the most was how solid the underlying thematic aspect of the movie was, specifically the religious themes of faith, crisis, and redemption. And when Andrew Russell was killed in San Francisco, Mark Russell closed himself off to the world and blamed and hated Godzilla for taking his child away. On the other hand, Emma Russell thought her son's untimely death had to have a higher purpose, and so she became radicalized in her beliefs to the point where she resorted to terrorism to bring about her kaiju rapture. Unfortunately for her, though, she put her faith in the wrong deity. Ghidra, the serpent, the false king, the one who fell from the stars. As for the other kaiju, Mothra was confirmed by the director to be a guardian angel who appears in front of Mark at his lowest point, while Rodan is literally dubbed the Fire Demon. Also, both Mark and Emma come face-to-face with their respective deities during their moments of redemption slash absolution. Mark with Godzilla on the deck of the sub and Emma with Ghidra right before her death. In short, both parents at the start of the film are at an unhealthy place in their spirituality, one having lost all of his while the other becomes overly dependent on it. Like Sarasawa says, balance is needed. 
Critics may unload on the film for having a seemingly ridiculous and cheesy premise, but the film has a lot more going on below the surface than most seem to realize. Director Mike Doherty thought the story through well enough, although his attempt at telling it at times are done clumsily through a kaiju load of exposition. There's just too much awesome stuff to identify in this movie, despite its inherent problems listed earlier. This, and not Final Wars, is the love letter to the Showa and the Heisei films that fans deserved. Lee's favorite moment was when Ghidra is about to kill Madison at Fenway, and then he's hit by a blue beam of atomic energy, and it's revealed that Godzilla has arrived, backed by the full might of the military, with Ifukube's theme blaring. Prashant has been relatively newly introduced to the Godzilla films, only having watched the original 1954 film a month prior to the release of the 2014 film, which he loved. So between that and King of the Monsters, he's been catching up on the classic, albeit mainstream, Toho Godzilla films, which is how he stumbled across the kaiju cast and found a virtual community to learn from. The direction and aesthetic of this Godzilla King of the Monsters is remarkable and one of its strengths. Each titan is like an elemental force of nature, which only adds to their personalities that's already enhanced by great CGI. The titans were treated with respect and reverence and are truly believable creatures and characters in their own right. Sure, the cast and characters are arguably the weakest point, but Prashant feels that they do have some thematic consistency, especially if you lean into the allegory of climate crisis that is central in this film. The U.S. military and the eco-terrorists, including Emma Russell, respectively represent denial and apathy. The former think the problem will be handled by the technical solutions, and the latter have a very misanthropic and cynical view of humanity. The monarch scientists, including Sarazawa, Graham, and Chen, represent a third way, one of coexistence. This is best articulated in the theme of redemption that Sarazawa and Mark Russell talk about before Sarazawa sacrifices himself. Accordingly, humanity has to confront its own violent legacy, but it cannot give up. It has a responsibility to build a better world in the aftermath of the Titans. Prashant also felt this alludes so well to some of the core philosophies of the Showa and Heisei films, especially 1964's Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra. This is why he feels that the characters actually work in the film, and having meaningful arcs despite or because of the thin script. Now, as a student of anthropology, Prashant would be remiss to not talk about the Anthropocene, the name given by scientists to the new geological epoch where humanity has affected this planet. Although the film tends to vaguely reference these in exposition scenes, he feels that the MonsterVerse films are actually excellent examples to understand this phenomenon, he hopes to teach a class on it one day. Prashant feels that this new interpretation of Monster Zero, Ghidra, was perfect. Like the trapped carbon or methane, Monster Zero emerges from the icy depths of the Earth, he moves in a Category 6 storm, and his very presence alters the weather, causing rain, thunderstorms, and lightning. A more perfect visual metaphor for climate change could not have been asked for. All in all, Prashant feels this film was a worthy successor to the 2014 movie and a great modern sci-fi summer blockbuster. However, he would not recommend this film to a kaiju newbie unless they watch the previous two MonsterVerse films first and have some background to the Japanese Toho films. Prashant gives Godzilla King of the Monsters 8 out of 10 bioluminescent Mothra eggs. Scott thought that Godzilla King of the Monsters was a fun love letter to the Godzilla series. He enjoyed the depiction of some of the classic kaiju roster, especially Mothra and Rodan. 
Scott thought Rodan was both fearsome and intimidating in his opening appearance. At Outpost 56, Mothra's design was done extremely well, and dare he say, his favorite Mothra appearance. Just maybe. Scott thought Ghidra usually looked cool, but sometimes the CGI depiction of everyone's favorite fearsome golden dragon was a bit too unnatural looking. The new monsters were a welcome addition, particularly the mammoth-like kaiju seen in his fearsome glory at the end. The human drama was good, and Scott thinks critics were looking too harshly upon the human characters. The drama between the family members was mostly acted well, and the father character had a nice arc, accepting the Titans as protectors by the end of the movie. Scott also loved all the Easter eggs to the other creature features and horror films. He hopes Legendary can continue making different endings for Japanese and American versions in the upcoming Kong vs. Godzilla Brawl. Has a nice reference to the previous film's myth. Four decapitated King Ghidra heads out of five. Heinz says that narratively, a Godzilla movie is tough duck to crack. You need the monsters, but you also need the people and their human drama. And most of the time, they do exposition in underground lairs, submarines, and helicopters. And the drama and twists are generic, but they do the job, bringing classic Toho to Hollywood. And how awesome was that? All three first appearances of the monsters, these set pieces belong to the most rad things Hollywood has ever put to the screen. Simply jaw-dropping. For some reason, Ghidra's first entrance reminded Heinz of the terror he had as a little kid when the dragon in Disney's Dragon Slayer appeared. He has some minor quibbles, like soldiers and scientists cracking too many jokes, like you'd expect in an Emmerich movie. The desire to bring as many classic Toho tropes into the movie as possible sort of collides at times with its fast pacing. The Oxygen Destroyer, for example, Mothra's death, and Godzilla being a melting reactor comes off as afterthoughts. So much is going on. As impressive as the finale was, it couldn't quite capture the first-time magic of Godzilla fighting the Mutos in San Francisco. Maybe it's due to the distraction that our main human characters are constantly being three feet away from the explosions, flying cars, and death rays, which gets kind of annoying. His final thoughts are, for kaiju fans, get your butts into the seat for one final last time to help out Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures break even. This is the movie you've been waiting for. But now with Godzilla being the good guy, what role will Kong have to play? And will they have a Batman versus Superman fight with Godzilla shouting, They'll kill Mothra! So Joshua went with his dad to see Godzilla King of the Monsters for the first time the day before Father's Day. Josh had watched some reviews before seeing the movie and was concerned he wouldn't like the film just as other people had not. Thankfully, despite having some of the same thoughts about the movie as other reviewers, he still found it immensely enjoyable, especially whenever Godzilla or King Ghidorah were on screen. Lastly, his favorite moment is when Godzilla is doing the intimidation display. He gave him some serious goosebumps. Mike Keller remembers when he wrote and turned in his Daikaiju discussion homework for Legendary's Godzilla 2014. That means that for over five years, he's been consistently writing film synopses for the Kaiju cast. If that doesn't look impressive on a resume, then Mike is hoping that he can at least claim it on his taxes. Good luck, bro. As of this writing, Mike has actually seen Godzilla King of the Monsters three times. He's absorbed quite a lot of the positive and negative feedback the film has received and allowed the new to wear off enough for him to gather his thoughts as concisely as possible. Some have called this the best Godzilla ever made and others regard it as an unmitigated disaster. And Mike says that it's neither of those things. Many old guard Godzilla fans have described the script as a mess, but Mike says that it's no messier than the bulk of Toho's 1990s output. In fact, Mike would describe this as a 1990s Godzilla film with a Hollywood budget. Enjoyable, 
not very well thought out, but ultimately less intellectually offensive than Godzilla vs. King Ghidra of 1991. In fact, it is superior to that film in every way, save for the Godzilla design, and that's not to say that Mike disliked this Godzilla design in this new film. At least King Ghidra has been done justice. Mike is willing to overlook a lot for just giving us the best Ghidra since the 1960s. He also notes that the Ghidra cry in the film is different from what was heard in the five-minute IMAX preview shown before Shazam, and he hasn't heard anybody else comment on that. Mike thought that the film had a strong first act, a weak middle, and a redeemable final third. The introduction of the Oxygen Destroyer was a true jump-the-shark moment, signaling a rapid decline in entertainment, quality, and coherence for the next 40 minutes or so. Honestly, that had no business being in the movie. Madison Russell's ease at stealing the Orca, escaping the terrorist compound, and waltzing into Fenway Park, to say nothing of knowing how to use the stadium's audio equipment, was really kind of pushing it. In fact, there was quite a lot really pushing it in this movie. Sarazawa's sacrifice failed to stir any emotional resonance with Mike, and Dr. Graham deserved a better death than she got. But the third act and battle with Ghidra provided enough entertainment value to end the whole thing on a high note. Finally, Mike was asked to mention his favorite moment in the movie as extra credit. Obviously, his favorite moments were the monsters, but Mike would rather call out something he liked a lot. The Pixies. Forget the Blue Oyster cult cover. He never thought he would hear the Pixies in a Godzilla movie. Being from Boston, there was one very important thing that John discovered watching Godzilla King of the Monsters. Ghidra is clearly a Yankees fan. The movie was a blast. Mike Doherty gave us a Godzilla movie that will go into John's overly watched rotation for sure. Doherty clearly gets it. Look no further than the score. Finally, we have someone who says that music we all know and love needs to be in this movie. To have Godzilla and Mothra in this movie and not hear Fukube and Koseki is just wrong. And hats off to Bear McCreary for incorporating these familiar themes and taking them to the next level, along with writing some new fantastic pieces that kept the atmosphere right where it needed to be. Was there a lot of fan service on this film? Yes, and John loved it. From the Oxygen Destroyer to Sarazawa's Sacrifice, it was all perfect. It was nice to see Ken Watanabe getting to do more this time around. The monster fights and monster designs are top-notch. Rodan was especially satisfying, since John's a huge fan of the original Rodan, and he always wanted to see a remake, a modern remake of that original film. For the time he was on screen, he absolutely stole the show. The dogfight and the jets as they lead him to Monster Zero was a thing of beauty. Absolutely his favorite part of the movie. The final battle in his hometown made him say Godzilla just made Boston more famous than any of our sports teams could. (laughs) The only thing he could do without was the monsters bowing at the end. He thinks he could have gotten the message across some other way than these monsters are now just looking at Godzilla like an alpha. But that's his small nitpick for a fun flick. Michael says that Godzilla King of the Monsters is the big budget Hollywood Godzilla film that we fans have been waiting for since 1998. While the film has flaws, Michael definitely is in the camp that says this film is a step above its predecessor. Mike Doherty managed to create a film that was dark but didn't take itself too seriously and balanced incredible kaiju action with a decent, solid human plot. Kyle Chandler's character as animal behaviorist Mark Russell stuck out due to his field of expertise playing a bigger role in the story than Ford Brody did and his change of attitude towards the Titans akin to Ayana did in Camera 3. Ken Watanabe's Dr. Sarazawa was given an emotional send-off by detonating the nuke to save Godzilla, plus allowing people to keep his notes, which is a nice reversal from his 1954 counterpart. Though he does have to admit that the Oxygen Destroyer was a wasted plot point that could have been expanded upon during the congressional hearing earlier in the film. 
Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown do a great job with the material they were given, which honestly isn't saying much. The environmental message is also interesting as it tackles a scientific political subject that is prevalent today as nuclear weapons were in the 1950s. The idea that the radiation generated by the Titans can restore ecosystems wasn't an intriguing plot point for Michael, personally, as it showed what happened to the cities that were destroyed in the previous films, as well as demonstrating that these creatures are not just animals of massive size, but gods that dictate the course of life on Earth. While the human story can definitely lag a little bit, the Titans are the real stars, and this movie does an excellent job of world-building in the MonsterVerse. While not a perfect film, Godzilla King of the Monsters expands upon what has come before, and while sticking to its roots in both science fiction and fantasy elements present in Toho's 65-year legacy. For that, Michael gives Godzilla King of the Monsters 3.5 to 4 Ultra no Hoshi out of 5. Here's to the Monsterverse continuing after 2020. Nathan walked out of the Thursday night IMAX showing of Godzilla King of the Monsters with a big smile on his face despite feeling a little beat up, but maybe that was his energy drink wearing off. While he had tried to avoid reviews beforehand, the controversy in the fandom over the Rotten Tomatoes score was pervasive. Regardless, after the credits rolled, Nathan thought to himself, did critics see the same movie I did? Is it perfect? No. Things like the Oxygen Destroyer and the Titans' life-giving radiation weren't set up, so they came out of nowhere in the middle of the film. But the Oxygen Destroyer itself could have been anything. Honestly, it exists only as a name drop. It could have been called Super Nuke and changing nothing. If such an iconic and important device from Godzilla's franchise's history should be used, it should be given more weight and significance. Otherwise, Michael Doherty created the film that cobbles together some of the best elements from each of Godzilla's histories. The fights and the characters are straight out of the Showa era. Monarch and its tech echoes the G-Force from the Heisei era. The film's color, energy, and style feels like something from the Millennium series. In fact, Nathan would dare say an alternate title for this film could be G-Fanservice, the movie. There's a lot Nathan could say in terms of themes and symbolism, but he'll just mention one. The shot of Ghidra standing at the volcano with the cross in the foreground. If there's one perfect shot in this film, it's that. When looked at it in context, there's layers and layers of symbolism. Nathan could write an entire paper on it. To put it succinctly, Ghidra, the false king, has slain Godzilla and asserted himself as the new alpha. The imagery brings to mind the devil standing in triumph at the death of Christ. As Doherty wrote on his Twitter with a screenshot of this scene, where is your Godzilla now? All in all, Nathan loved this movie. While he may change his mind after seeing it more than twice, for now he gives it four and a half titans out of five. Pete Quint writes in to say the shortest and most concise spoiler-free homework. Godzilla King of the Monsters is an easily digestible monster movie for new fans while providing a mountain of callbacks to the long-running franchise to happily satisfy the super fan kaiju kids. Sincerely, Pete Quint from the Good Beer Bad Movie Night podcast. And also the brewer from 50 Foot Brewing who is going to be bringing beer to the Kaiju Cast listener party. John says before he went in to watch Godzilla King of the Monsters, he was worried that he might have overhyped himself and the film would not meet the expectations. When he walked out of the theater, his expectations were completely blown away by Godzilla's atomic breath because that was one of the best times he's ever had at a movie theater. This is the Hollywood Godzilla John's dreamed of but never thought would actually happen, and it seems cruel to choose a favorite moment because there's so many good ones that he probably can't consider the entire movie as a favorite moment. No, you can't, not to get the extra credit, man. So he's going to have to buckle down and pick just one, and it's going to have to be the battle in Boston where Godzilla makes his epic entrance akin to his entrance in Terror of Mechagodzilla. But like he said, there's really just too many great moments in this film. 
It has so much respect to the character and series, it might be one of John's favorites in the franchise. He'll have to wait till the movie comes out on home video to determine that. Raphael had an absolute blast watching Godzilla King of the Monsters, and his favorite element of the film was hearing Bear McCreary's emotional and heroic arrangement of the classic Ifukube and Koseki themes, along with the haunting and thunderous new themes he created for this film. The visual aesthetic of the monsters had him riveted to the IMAX screen, and it reminded him of the thrilling works of Frank Frazetta and Bob Eggleton. Although there are criticisms of the film, he certainly agree were valid, Raphael's face still hurts from smiling all the way through that first viewing. Suffice to say, Raphael thought Godzilla King of the Monsters was a breakneck blast for Godzilla fans, and his favorite movie moment was the scene in which Bear McCreary's rebirth musically quotes Ifukube's classic march just as the Big G rises from the ocean. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Godzilla King of the Monsters, champion of the world, alpha of the titans. Master of all on Earth. Uh, yeah, we had a great time watching it. We had a great time talking about it. Hopefully, when this movie comes out on home video, we'll be able to sit there and pause on each screen, on each Easter egg, and really unpack everything that Mike Doherty and Zach Shields put into this movie. Thank you guys so much for taking part in our final Daikaiju discussion And uh, man, wow, what a ride. I did see a note from Mike Keller in there that says he's guessing we'll have some way to do something somehow for a Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla vs. Kong. We shall see. We'll see how uh, things are going once that movie comes out with the Kaiju cast uh, in its video form. So I had big plans for what I wanted to do for, you know, movie submissions and stuff like that. So I'm still going to be working on something like that. But just in general, this is definitely... Well, absolutely the last Daikaiju discussion in this format. Not saying that there are any other formats planned for the future. I'm just saying that, hands down, this is the last time we're doing this, people. All right, guys, I think it's time to wrap up this episode. But like I said, we are going to announce the winners for the Kaiju Cast Godzilla Meme of the Monsters Challenge. And I am very happy to do that right now. We have three prize packs. Basically, it's sort of like second and third prize are almost identical. And then there's sort of like the grand prize, first prize. The second and third prize, Nathan Marchand and Jack Horowitz. And for the coveted first prize, which includes the Bandai 2019 Godzilla. And all of these prize packs include just like a pack of really cool Godzilla King of the Monsters stuff. The winner of the grand prize, the first prize pack of the Kaiju Cast Godzilla Meme of the Monsters Challenge is Evan Matthew Hodge, who won not by sending in a crazy amount of entries, but because his 1973 Godzilla shaking Jet Jaguar's hand meme made everybody laugh pretty much. So congratulations to the three winners. I will be in touch and uh, asking for your addresses very soon. And in the meantime, I just wanted to say one last time, thanks to everybody for submitting their homework. Thanks to everybody who's actually taken part in this entire Daikaiju discussion madness that we've been doing for the past, uh, what is that, seven years, eight years, nine years of doing the podcast? The Because the Daikaiju discussions didn't start on episode one. So anyway... Thanks to everybody for doing that. We will see you at G-Fest for one of our many, many panels. In fact, instead of me talking about that, just look back at our last episode to listen to what we're doing at G-Fest. 
We'll see you hopefully at the listener party. Gretchen's working on a cool game. We're working on some cool stuff. Pete's bringing some good beer. It's going to be rad. Listener party Friday night. Panels all throughout the weekend. We'll be in the dealer's room selling t-shirts. Come support us. Make us sell out of everything, please. That would be rad. It's all happening in just a couple of weeks at G-Fest, the largest gathering of Godzilla fans in the Western Hemisphere. I think in the world, actually. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. I really want to leave you guys with something that's going to just get your fists pumping after you leave this audio experience. So we'll listen to the Godzilla Blue Oyster Cult cover arranged by Bear McCreary and uh, with Surge from System of a Down. We'll see you for the next episode and hopefully see you at G-Fest. Jamatai.